Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This is going to be a home run. Unbelievable. A home run for Gibson. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. Russell will inbound at half court. A Stockton open three. John Stockton sends the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals. Robbie Russell now. With a chance to send RSL home as cup champions. Saunders on his line. Russell approaches. And puts it away. RSL are the 2009 MLS Cup champions. A championship for Salt Lake City. This is the Bill Riley Show. Presented by Les Schwab Tires. Doing the right thing since 1952. Here's the three-time Utah Sports Broadcaster of the Year and voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Hey there, good morning and welcome into a Monday Reaction Over Reaction Monday edition of the Bill Riley Show here on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I'm Bill Riley. great to be with you today from our downtown Broadway media studios. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. Mine wasn't bad. I got to tell you, mine wasn't bad. I got to call a very entertaining football game Saturday night at the Coliseum that saw Utah escape as the gun fired at um, at uh, the Coliseum, beating the USC Trojans 34-32. It was another classic. It was an all-timer, and it was probably the last time Utah will play in that building for a long, long time. Utah escapes the ultimate team win. I'll let you react to it today if you want to. Hit me up on the Dish Pros text line at 877-353-0700. And the gauntlet continues this week. Can't celebrate USC too long because the Oregon Ducks are coming to town on Saturday. And this will be the toughest and best team Utah has played all year long. And yes, for all of you that have said all year long, you're crazy, Bill, to say Oregon will be the toughest game of the year. Well, I think I feel vindicated today because they will be. Talk about all of it on the program today. But first, let's head up on the hill and hear from the head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham, in his weekly press conference here on ESPN 700. Ready, Jory? 
Okay. Uh, <clears throat> you're late. <laughs> okay. Uh, good, good win for our program on Saturday. Uh, as we talked about earlier in the week, uh, in the week last week, those wins at the Coliseum are hard to come by. Haven't been a lot of them for us through the years, and so uh, to be able to come away with with that win was uh, big for us. Uh, exciting game all the way down to the, the last play of the game. I mean, obviously, so so uh, very proud of Cole Becker for hitting that field goal. Um, proud of our team for hanging in there, handling adversity. Um, just kept playing. You know, there was a, a game of uh, back and forth. Um, we actually took control there, 28-14 late in the third. And had we able to been able to put one more on them, uh, probably would have been a different story, but uh, we wouldn't. They came surging back and and uh, ended up, like I said, going down to the last last play of the game. So uh, on to Oregon now. Uh, really good football team. Uh, very balanced. Good offense. Really good offense. Really good defense. So there is no weakness. They're a complete team. Uh, hands down, the number one offense in the league as far as yards per game, 550 yards or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, nearly, you know, bunch of points, nearly 50 points a game. Um, great quarterback, great leader, competitor. Uh, like I said, balanced uh, about 230 rushing and, and uh, you know, three-something, 320 passing. Um, leading the conference in rushing offense, which is, you know, that's, that uh, is, is usually a really good thing for you when you can do that. Uh, but again, they're playing really good defense. They're they're top third of the league in pretty much every defensive category. So, so no weakness. Um, college game day coming. That'll be a, a exciting thing for for the university, the the community. That's uh, it has I think it was 2016 maybe was the last time we had that here. So, so uh, it's been a while, but it's great to get that uh, back and get that crew back on campus. And uh, you know, big game in the conference uh, picture. You know, they're they're uh, you know, one lost team, as are we. So both our backs are to the wall, and it should be uh, hopefully a great football game. So questions, starting with starting with my man over there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've been covering pretty good, and uh, we ended up actually having a a pretty good night overall. We kicked off what, seven times, seven or eight times, and actually did a good job in our kickoff coverage. Did a really good job in punt coverage till the very last one as well. That was uh, one that, uh, you know, had we not been able to win that game, that would have been the play of the game, that big uh, punt return of theirs. But but uh, that was why. It's because we had, we had really done a good job of, of covering <coughs> kicks and keeping them uh, mostly inside the 25-yard line, and, and so that was the reason for that. How big a step forward? Big step forward. He did. He seems to get better each week. Uh, he uh, completed over 60% of his balls. We did have the one pick six, and I know we would have wanted back, but but uh, did a very nice job of running the offense and and uh, taking care of the ball, except for the one play. And he just seems to continue to grow and develop, which is a good thing. That that uh, obviously is a big positive for us. Uh, with the C on his shoulder or on his chest. With indicating him as a captain. Is that a player designation, or how does that work, especially this Good question. What we did with uh, Brant and Cam uh, not being available for the rest of the year, we, we've uh, replaced them with two captains. Uh, uh, 
uh, Keaton Bills and uh, Bryson, and uh, they're they're you know Keaton's been in place. I probably should have mentioned that a couple weeks ago because Keaton's been in place for a couple weeks, and then uh, with with the decision that uh, again they were both not going to be able be available, we uh, elected the I shouldn't say we the players elected the the captain uh, that's last captain spot, and so. Uh, they will serve as acting captains for the rest of the season, along with uh, Kareni and, and Cole. Looking at Simon Baki and his contribution to the offense, one thing that really kind of jumps out is his anticipation of, of how he's able to make his cuts and reads. How much of that is due to his experience on defense and kind of seeing things from a defensive player's perspective when he goes on the offense? Well, he was a really good offensive player in high school, so I don't think it's uh, a lot uh, predicated upon his defensive experience. I think it's just natural instinct and ability offensively, and, and he's just got a great feel for, for splitting defenders and making people miss, and, and also he has really good speed. I mean, you saw his top end. Uh, you've seen his top end the last few weeks, and, and so he's just got a skill set that is very conducive to uh, – being a good offensive player, and, and really his primary skill is catching the ball. I mean, he's a, he was an outstanding receiver in high school. That was his his uh, his primary position, and so uh, it's been a big plus for our offense, to say the least, to have him over there. Uh, you can see, continue to see him over there, and uh, the impact he's made on offense is actually probably bigger than the impact he makes on defense. And he's a, one of the best safeties in the country, so that tells you how how valuable he's been on offense for us. You caught that Bryson. Seems like he's gotten better each week. Mm -hmm. Where do you see maybe the most improvement now relative to where he was earlier? I just think, uh, you know, the way he, you know, he just he's he's operating now, and he never was not confident, but he's got, he seems very sure of himself and very uh, confident in what he's doing, um, really taking charge, um, you know, just uh, running the team like a quarterback should run it. That it factor of uh, being a, a leader on the field is, is really starting to manifest for him. And uh, just, you know, and obviously getting the full allotment of the number one reps now that we know the situation uh, helped him last week as well. So combination having, of those things. Sorry, having some uh, finality now, you know, with Cam and Branch, just what does that do for you and your staff in the locker room, just not having those questions and not having to, you know, wait till the end of the week, not having Yes, they're going to show yeah, well, we, we, first of all, we certainly wish they could have been with us. I mean, they're really good players. They're two really, uh, two guys that really add to what we're doing and two of the best players in the Pac-12. But the uncertainty, uh, I don't want to say it was a distraction, but uh, it, it seems to be, you know, things are settled now, more, uh, more of a settled feeling. And uh, knowing exactly, you know, going forward that, you know, they're not going to be available helps us operate and, and, and plan uh, in a little different way. What kind of input are you going to have with them when they talk to you about whether they return or not? What kind of input am I going to have? Yeah, I'm sure they'll consult you and talk to you about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as far as, you know, obviously that is going to be completely their decision, but but there's a, uh, things you got to weigh there. Uh, what is, you know, what is the uh, opportunity in the draft? You know, not having played this year, you know, that's going to obviously impact things. Um, being able to come back for another year of college, uh, you know, with NIL, and that, that changes the picture as well because before you'd come back and still eat top ramen every week, but now with NIL, 
you know, you've got a chance to live a pretty good lifestyle. So, so uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I don't have an answer right here, right now, but I'll certainly counsel them and give them my, my two cents worth. And, and those are two really smart guys. They're going to do their homework and talk to all the right people. And the key is not only talking to the right people, but not talking to the wrong people. You know, you got people that, that uh, you don't want, you don't want their input because it's worthless. And so you got to make sure you talk to the right people. Kyle, with Bryson, um, he took a few hits on Saturday night on the final drive. He got hit at least once that I can remember. You know, he went down pretty hard. Did he come out of that game healthy? Should be fine. Yeah, should be fine. And, and he's a tough guy. He's a really tough guy and and uh, did throw it up in there, particularly that last drive, as you mentioned, those two scrambles uh, where he lowered the shoulder and just went. And uh, that's that's the that's who he is. That, that typifies his style of play and what he's all about. Would you prefer that he doesn't Probably so, probably so. But uh, in that situation, game was on the line. I mean, there's every every scramble and run is is not created equal. And in those, that was critical that we got every yard we could because we were maneuvering for for field goal position. Certainly, Rocky's had such an impact, and you started to allude to this. I think in the post game, when you make him a, a full time offensive player, getting twenty plus touches, and then spotting on defense, given the impact he's having on offense, it seems to be trending in that direction. And so we'll see where it ends up, but but the first thing we got to do is make sure we don't overload him and make uh, make his workload too heavy and too uh, too much to to realistically uh, handle. And because and, and there's also a mental aspect to it too. It's not just physical. It's how much can he learn and assimilate, you know, in both uh, on both sides of the ball. Because a safety position here, there's a lot of adjustments. They do all the adjustments and, and coverage calls and run the show back there. And so there's a lot on their plate. Uh, mentally with that um, but yeah he's and you know it's, it's analytically proven the impact of offense is greater than the impact of defense and so we're going to continue to uh, have him be a big part of the offense and, and see how much he can handle we'll, we'll get to that point of, of uh, I think we'll f- it'll become obvious I believe when we get to that saturation point where okay that's enough but to answer your question is he become more of an offense player than D I'm not going to rule it out, but not yet. We're not there just yet. Your secondary held up really well against your first. Sure did. Yep. Uh, passing. I mean, how, how do you kind of evaluate that, knowing that you were able to hold Caleb? I mean, Caleb had the ball several times for many seconds. I mean, how, how do you feel like they did overall? I thought they did really well, and that was a, a big plus for us. Uh, Zamaya Vaughn has really turned into a good corner. He's starting to uh, really come of age. And Miles Battle played his best game as a Ute. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He tackled extremely well. Not only did they play well in coverage, but they came up in run support and did a nice job in run support. JT Broughton uh, did a good job as well. And and uh, very pleased overall with the uh, with the secondary in their entirety, the safeties included. Uh, thought Nate Ritchie. Uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but did a good job filling in for Cole. And then, of course, when we got Cole back in that second half, that made us even even more. Uh, is it formidable or formidable? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that. So, so it was good. Kyle, hold up. Will, will Cam continue to travel just to be around the QBs or on the team? Uh, to be determined, but uh, if he wants to continue to be a part of it, uh, he traveled with us, obviously, to USC, and so he's uh, still one of our leaders, even though he's not on the field. And, uh, you know, some weeks there may be a restriction number that, you know, we have to have. You can only have 74, and we, we may need a guy or two that, uh, you know, for whatever reason in the game plan, that could impact it. But uh, all things being equal, yeah, we hope he's with us uh, every week. You, uh, you alluded to Nate Ritchie having some good moments and bad moments. Obviously, I didn't say bad. 
some, some areas where he can maybe improve a little sure. bit to go forward. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, if Sioni does wind up, you know, playing more offense heavy down the line, presumably we would see more of Nate. Where, more. Uh, I guess, what exactly did you see out of him, and, and what are those areas where you can see him taking steps forward? Okay, as I've mentioned earlier in the season, he's still knocking the rust off from a church mission, but that uh, he's getting closer and closer to being the player he was prior to the mission. Um, he can be a little more decisive, trigger quicker. Uh, was a little hesitant on things at times on Saturday. Uh, missed a tackle or two. We only missed nine tackles in the entire game, which is outstanding against a group of athletes like that. But, but uh, just just a little more uh, urgency and, and triggering, and maybe a little better backside pursuit. You're also going to see John O'Hall. Uh, you know, if we continue to use Sione uh, more and more on O, John O'Hall is a really good player, two true freshmen out of Texas. That that because Nate is really more of a free. And Sione plays more of a strong safety for us. And so if Sione, you know, he, Nate was filling in for Cole, but if, he, if we're looking for a fill-in for Sione, it's either going to be Nate or John O'Hall. Those are the two candidates. Two straight games now with Quinn uh, getting 20-plus uh, carries, mm-hmm. still if not over 100 yards. Uh, he expressed frustration that he wasn't able to do that in the first part of the season. What, what does that do to have a guy like, that can go for 20-plus carries? Oh, it's huge for us. And Jaquindon's a big part of our attack. And he wasn't able to because of that nagging injury. It wasn't that we didn't want to feed him the ball. We want to get him the ball. What you've seen the last few weeks is ideal. If we can get him 20 to 25, uh, maybe even 28 carries, that's, uh, that's right in his wheelhouse. And, and if he can stay healthy and, and uh, you know, knock on wood, it appears that he's pretty much over the injury that uh, was, was uh, slowing him down, then uh, you know, that's, uh, that bodes well for us. Are you seeing better right now? Is running game better right now because of the guys you have carrying the ball, or can you look at the film and see that the O line is doing a better job opening holes? Both, both, without a doubt. The O line is really starting to uh, gel. I guess might be the right word, and uh, they're putting they're stacking games on top of each other where they're where they're very efficient and doing a good job. And then uh, you know Jaquinn and back to 100 percent, and the addition of Sioni have really helped that cause as well. So it's a combination of, of those things. Bonex has been ridiculously uh, efficient, 78%, 19 mm-hmm. one interception. Yep. Is he maybe the best decision maker of all the great quarterbacks? He could be. I know right now he's the most pass efficient. There's a couple things you look at when you look at a quarterback. Statistically, the QBR, which tells you the whole picture, you know, how they are running the football, passing the football, uh, getting out of jams, you know, avoiding sacks, and then just the, the pass efficiency number. Right now he's leading the conference pass efficiency-wise. I think he's 180 close to it. He's, he's got a really good efficiency. And that's saying something when you look at all the quarterbacks. you got Penix, you got Caleb. I mean, this goes on and on. So he is uh, hes a tremendous player. But the thing I like about him most is his competitiveness and his leadership. And I saw that at Auburn. I didn't see – I saw him play one game at Auburn. I was watching a, <clears throat> a SEC game a couple – was it three years ago, I guess now, and uh, or the 21 season, and saw this guy. I thought, who is that guy? You know, he's just making plays and, and – and that just absolutely the field general uh, of the team, and uh, it was it was him, and, and so I've I've had uh, you know a strong opinion of how good he is for for several years, and that to me that's it is the way he just leads and, and competes every week. Prior to the USC game, um, Britton Allen walked out with the captains before the game. Mm-hmm. Was there anything special? Or- yeah, he was the special teams player of the week, and the special teams player of the week is honorary captain each week, and. And uh, so that's why, and, and uh, yeah, 
He's a, that's the fifth captain, but that captain rotates. So, so we'll have a new one for this week, uh, unless he was he wasn't the player of the week this week on special teams. So you'll you'll see another guy this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Demanding. <laughs> Bryson has looked uh, markedly better and more comfortable yep. these last two weeks, which coincides with him getting all the first-team reps for mm -hmm. the entire week. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but if you could go backwards, would you have operated in that manner, making a decision on Monday, giving whoever it was, Bryson or Nate, all of the reps early? Knowing what we know now, obviously, sure. but we didn't know. I mean, that was I don't, I don't think we could have done it any differently, given the circumstances. But uh, if we had known then what we know now, uh, yeah, I think we would have operated a little differently. But... But we're sitting here at six and one, so we're doing, you know, we're doing some things right, doing, and uh, you know, coming away with wins. But, but yeah, in hindsight, but that's, it's really a moot point because we we had no hindsight at you know at that time because of the situation. You said Levani Demuni would step up. I guess you never have hindsight at that time, do you? Uh, it wouldn't be hindsight. <laughs> yeah, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't be. What's that? You said uh, Levani Demuni will step up in Landers' mm -hmm. place. What, what does the depth look like there? I know you have Justin Medbox, some other guys there. What, what does yeah. it look like for you? Right now? Looks good. And, and uh, like I've said several times this year, our 1 through 85 roster is the deepest it's ever been, and we've really tapped into it. And this is another occasion that we're going to need to do that. Levani Demuni is a tremendous player. Um, he's uh, physical. He's tough. Uh, knows the defense inside and out. Extremely smart uh, for only being here you know, for a short time. Uh, Sione Foto also becomes more of a prominent guy now. Medlock as well, uh, Josh Calvert. Um, we hope to get Hayden Fury back. Hayden, you didn't see him in the game last week, so hopefully he's back this week. But we still have five or six guys that we think are very capable. But uh, feel bad for Lander. I mean, he was really coming into his own. Probably played his best game uh, against USC, uh, game of the season. And uh, to see that uh, happen is, is disappointing, but... There's a possibility he could be back for a bowl game. I mean, that is not out of the realm. Regular season, it's done. You know, there's no way he'll, I shouldn't say no way, but very doubtful he'll be back for any of the regular season, but possibility for a bowl game. This is the fifth time, the fifth time um, game day has come here and Ford since you've been head coach. Um, what kind of impact does it have on the players, on the campus? Is it, I mean, and how do they deal with that extra attention? Yeah, well, first of all, we try to, you know, keep the players in as normal of a routine and, and not break that. There's going to be, you know, a guy or two that's going to have a little bit extra on his plate. But, but it's great for the team as far as knowing that, hey, we're the center of the college football universe this week, I guess. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, uh, it's a positive thing for them and a, and a reward of sorts, I guess you could say. Um, for the community, it's awesome. The university, I mean, brings exposure to our brand and our, and uh, just the university and community in general. So I think it's win all across the board. And and uh, you know, but you try to make it. You know, I'll obviously have a heavier load and some things that I got to do that are not a typical week. But uh, trying to have the players and the assistant just assistant coaches block everything out, block out the noise, and just go about their routine. Okay, Jordy's giving me the hook. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So there you go. Head coach Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference brought to you by our friends at Les Olsen IT. It was a team win. It was the ultimate team win on Saturday night. Uh, Utah's had a lot of those this year. They've had to do it by committee. But but Saturday night, culture and coaching were on full display. You can say that's cliche. You can say that's a cheesy phrase, but it's not. Maybe it doesn't matter as much in professional sports, but I think it matters there. But in college sports, having a great culture matters. Having outstanding coaching matters. And uh, Utah has both those things. Utah has fantastic players, but it, it was culture and coaching that Utah used to beat USC. USC has neither of those. Lincoln Riley does not run a good program. They are a disaster right now. They have all the talent in the world. They have the best player in college football, but they have a terrible culture. Watching body language as I did Saturday night at the Coliseum, the shots of Caleb Williams on the bench, none of his teammates talk to him. He's a man on his own. He's an individual. He's not a leader of that football team. They don't come check on him. He sits by himself. And it was a perfect example during, before, and after the game of the difference in the two programs. And I'm not ready to say this yet because there's still more football to be played. But Kyle Whittingham and his staff are working and becoming, and this is becoming one of the best coaching jobs he's done. The last two Pac-12 championships, the last two seasons, have had their fair share of adversity. But the Utes have been relatively healthy. They've not missed key players the way they have this year. And you know, adversity comes in all different shapes and forms. Aaron Lowe, Ty Jordan, those were horrifically bad things. And Utah dealt with those things off the field and then on the field as well. Utah could put itself behind the eight ball a little bit last year, the last couple of years, with some early season losses. But, but they were still at full strength. They still had most of their leaders and playmakers. That hasn't been the case most of this year. They're not going to have Cam Rising the rest of the year. He's shut down. They're not going to have Brandon Keithy the rest of this year. He's shut down. They're not likely, you heard him say it a minute ago, bowl game maybe for Lander Barton, but he's not playing the rest of this season. Those are arguably three of your five or seven best players on your football team. Yet week after week, game after game, Kyle Whittingham, Morgan Scally, Andy Ludwig, Jim Harding, Sharif Shaw, Colton Swan. I know I'm leaving guys out here. Freddie Whittingham, Alvis Witted, and the entire staff, they find a way to get it done. Andy Ludwig out-schemed and out-coached Lincoln Riley the other night. Lincoln Riley spent more time yelling at the officials about substitutions and flags than he did about worrying about changing his game plan up. Andy Ludwig just went about his business, utilized what he had, and out-schemed the guy that's supposed to be the greatest offensive mind in college football. And Morgan Scally, he did the exact same thing, playing mind games the entire night with Lincoln Riley, substituting late, coming on and off the field with those defensive linemen. It threw the rhythm of USC off, and USC never adjusted. Utah, frankly, should have won that game by multiple scores going away. You heard Kyle say it. They, if they if they get one more score, maybe even a field goal when they're up 28-14, the game's probably over earlier than it was. But it was, again, a testament to a team that got down. They got down. They let the lead slip away. 
late in the game with under two minutes to play. Yet they found a way to rally. Bryson Barnes growing up before our very eyes. Is he ever going to be Cam Rising? Probably not. But he's developing into a very good backup plan for the University of Utah. He's still undefeated as a starter, too. And reps mean something. Not just practice reps. You heard those guys talking about him getting all the reps in practice. Yeah, that certainly helps. But game reps. Nothing replaces game reps. And he's not looking over his shoulder to see if he's going to come out of the ball game unless they throw the Wildcat package in there with Vaki and Jaquindon Jackson, which was another great changeup, another great wrinkle by Andy Ludwig. And then you throw the Sione Vaki package in. I was on a show earlier this morning with my buddies Guy Haberman and, and Evan Moore on Sirius XM Pac-12 Radio, and we were talking about the Vaki, the Vaki impact on this Utah football team. Sione Vaki is the juice that Utah's offense was lacking. The offensive line's gotten a little bit better. They're still solid with Money Parks and Devon Vele and uh, Mikey Matthews. But they didn't have that shot of juice. They didn't have that shot of adrenaline. They didn't have that one little energy boost that they needed with the offense. Jaquindon Jackson, fine. But Sione Vaki adds a dimension. And I, I've got to give my some credit here to my best friend. My best friend in the world, the man I love like a brother. My friend Matt Finnegan. Matt Finnegan, my buddy who lives in Colorado, who loves and roots for the Utes except for when they play USC because he's a USC grad. We were on the phone last night talking. He goes, you know what? Sione Vaki reminds me of Christian McCaffrey in his style of play, in the way he runs the football, the way he catches the ball out of the backfield, the way that he makes people miss. Now, to be very clear, we're not saying Sione Vaki is Christian McCaffrey. But then I thought about it. Watch the way he runs in the open field. Watch that extra gear when he gets up a sideline. Watch the way he wheels out of the backfield and catches the football clean like a receiver, much the same way McCaffrey does too. It's that juice. It, it, in much the same way McCaffrey was underused for the first two years of his career at Stanford, Sione Vaki is only playing offense out of necessity right now. Now, David Shaw is to blame for the fact that McCaffrey didn't play for the first two years. One, well, he played, but he didn't really play till the second half of his sophomore year and into his junior year. Then he really exploded. And I remember talking to Stanford people saying, our best player's not getting the most carries on this team. It was Christian McCaffrey. Anyway, Sione Vaki is coming to the offensive side of the football, and you heard Kyle Whittingham say it right there. He may end up playing more offense than he does defense moving forward. They just have to see how it plays out in his reps. But the bottom line is, good teams find ways to win. Good staffs are innovative. They look within themselves. And it goes back to the talent that's in. There's plenty of talent in this Utah program. They are just finding out more and more. But the bottom line is, this team's getting better. But its toughest test of the season will come this week against the Oregon Ducks. Many of you thought in April and May and June when I asked the toughest game on the schedule, oh, it's going to be USC, Bill. Oh, it's going to be Washington, Bill. Oh, it's going to be Florida, Bill. And I said, nope, it's going to be the Oregon Ducks. Oregon is going to be the toughest game on that schedule because I believed coming into the year that Oregon would be as well-balanced as Utah would be. And I believe that Oregon, because of where the game fell after the USC game, playing those back-to-back -back is tough. And I still believe that.
And down deep, I kind of think Oregon's better than Washington is. Just a little bit better than Washington is. I believe if that game was played in Eugene, they probably would have won that game. I believe if Dan Lanning doesn't gamble on fourth down, they might win that game. But it is what it is. Washington's undefeated. They, they deserve the mantle as number one. But I'm telling you right now, this Oregon team is so very good. Bo Nix, the most efficient quarterback, and don't just don't confuse efficiency for game manager. He's good. He's thrown for 2,089 yards, 19 touchdowns, and one interception. One. He's completing 78% of his passes. And he's got weapons. Bucky Irving might be the best running back in the Pac-12 Conference. Troy Franklin, a wonderful wide receiver. They've got a big-time tight end named Ferguson who can make plays, too. And they've got pretty good playmakers on defense. Their secondary is really good. But to me, the question in this game, because Utah prides itself on physicality and toughness, and Oregon has, too. Who can be most physical at the line of scrimmage? It's going to be a fun game coming up on Saturday. And Kyle said it. Utah and Salt Lake City become the center of the college football universe this week with game day here. We'll have lots to talk about. Coming up on the program, Sly's on the way in about five minutes. Josh Newman, Steve Bartle, Antonio Morales of the Athletic. He was at the Coliseum. Get his thoughts on that game, but the big picture look at the conference, Sam Farnsworth as well, all coming up on a Monday Bill Riley Show. Opening segment brought to you by Remedical. By the way, if you're a Utah fan and you haven't downloaded the app yet for For the Win 360, the Utah FTW 360 app, you're missing out. Yep, you're missing out. Premier video platform made expressively for the University of Utah, and it will feed the NIL Collective as well. That's right. Going to help feed the Crimson Collective. And it's free. You just go to your app store. You find Utah FTW 360, and it goes right to your phone. You're going to get exclusive video content, interviews, analysis, game stories, and more all right there on the app. Take it where you go, anywhere you are. You can also go to their website, do the same thing, do. It's a great way to continue to get your Utah content when I'm not giving it to you or others aren't either. And being able to take it wherever you go and helping the collective at the same time. It's the Utah For the Win 360 app. Find it in your app stores, the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, Utah FTW 360, and ForTheWin.com. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. My buddy Sly, who was with me at the Coliseum on Saturday night, will join us right here on a Monday Bill Riley Show. Hope you're having a good Monday wherever you are. Weather is beautiful. Going to turn a little chilly later this weekend as we get toward November, but that's okay. It's fall in Utah, my favorite season. And this is the Bill Riley Show on ESPN 700. Time to talk ball with a former Utah and NFL standout on the Bill Riley Show. Stevenson Sylvester joins Riles weekdays to talk Utes, Pac-12, and the National Football League. Sly is presented by Proper Brewing Company, home of the Riled Up Red Ale. Now, here's two-thirds of the Utah broadcast team on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Good to have my guy Sly with us on a Monday and uh, talk about the game that we were part of on our broadcast team Saturday night. Utah-USC games are always fun to call. I'm going to miss going to the Coliseum because it's historic. It's a great spot. They treat us well while we're down there. But, man, if that was going to be a last game between these two teams for a while, if not for a very long time, Sly, uh, were you not entertained 
That one was fun on Saturday night. What was your perspective field side versus where, where, where Scott and I were upstairs? Man, it was, it was awesome. Just a whole wave of emotions from the whole game. You know, um, as you said, man, I, I think that's the instant classic type of Utah-USD matchup that we've seen over the past decade, right? And um, it just yeah, it, there's no better way for the Pac-12 relationship between Utah and USC to end than how it ended right there and the storylines that come out of this from our pig farmer versus their Heisman. Um, and, you know, I, 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 as I said, you ride the wave of the emotions the entire game from the sidelines. It's, you know, yeah, we, we scored first, then they scored, then they scored again, and they're up by seven, and then we tie it up. Um, going in zero zero at halftime, it felt like, and then it's just um, and hearing videos from the halftime stuff is who wants it more, right? And 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 um, Utah really just stuck with it, man, and it just shows you exactly what Utah culture has been, you know, for the last thirty forty years. It's just you know, it's just tough, resilient guys that just get it done no matter the circumstance. Yeah, anybody that doesn't believe, especially in college athletics, that culture and coaching matter. All you had to do was watch mm-hmm. Saturday night. There were no no more polar opposites of coaching and culture than the two sidelines at the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I was at man, I, w- I was at media days with Lincoln and and um, Caleb and, and Coach Witt and and all these guys, and there was a, a serious step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details aura around them about how much they just don't like each other you know i i I felt it there was this huge competitive energy it was nothing where they're going to talk to each other but you just felt it when when they were in the same um corridor same room or whichever you yeah you just felt that energy of like a a true true rivalry and and that's what i absolutely love uh about this game you know it was so much leading up to it everybody circled it on their calendar as soon as the schedule came out you know the usc players from last year were 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 circling on their calendars and you know caleb williams had it and so um same thing with us man uh anytime you go to the coliseum as you said the rich history with the coliseum uh from the olympic games to all the uh incredible games we've all grown up to especially all those west coast people grown up to seeing between usc ucla and stanford and all the, the epic games there from Texas to USC in 2005. Um, there's just so much history in that Coliseum. And so um, Utah fans that made the trip, man, it was awesome. You guys were, your presence was felt for sure. Um, and it was just, it was just an amazing environment all the way around. What was different about Bryson Barnes Saturday night versus the other games he started? We know he's undefeated as a starter. He's had his ups and downs when they rotated. But what, what seemed different about Bryson Saturday night? He looked prepared. You know, all the other games, you know, because we've been playing this QB 
little do-si-do uh, dance that they've been doing um, the entire offseason and, and the first part of this season. Um, the last two weeks, he's just he just looks prepared. Like, okay, I'm ready. I'm running this offense. I know what I'm doing. I know where people are supposed to be, supposed to align at. It's just there was this, this confidence. And, you know, even when he threw the pick six, he knew it was on him. He knew, like, look, the guy was there. I shouldn't have thrown it. Don't force the ball, especially in an epic game like this. You know, you don't have to force that. And so uh, what I really loved, as soon as he did it, you know, his team didn't fucking uh, didn't get down on him. Um, you know, they came and, and, and loved on him a little bit. And then uh, he went back out there and threw a nice dime to Sione uh, down the sideline and got back in rhythm, kind of forgot about that pick six and kind of carried it on. You know, one thing that you can always appreciate is, is Coach Witt always uh, prepares for situational football. And so that's things that we were talking about leading into it. Yeah, uh, Bryson Barnes hasn't really been in this two-minute scenario probably since the first Rose Bowl, um, but he was able to handle it like it was nothing. And that's because they practice it darn near every single day, uh, even when I was a player. Situational football was huge on, on, on all aspects. We put situations on the clock from training camp to every week of practice, making sure our offense doesn't flinch in those situations. And that's exactly what you saw in that last drive is we didn't see our offense flinch. You know, Bryson Barnes made a great decision pulling it down, using his legs, staying in bounds, getting those extra yards, making the kick easy. It was just, it was like second nature to him. Talking to Sly on the program today, defensively Utah was good again. Um, you know, we wondered a little bit about the secondary because they really hadn't been tested all year long. Gave up a couple of shot plays, but you're going to do that against USC. You just do. Grade the grade the overall uh, secondary for me. You got Battle and Broughton and and um, and uh, Zamaya Vaughn and how you thought those guys played against a really good core of wide receivers. I, I I thought they played absolutely awesome. You know, but but Bill, I think this goes back to complimentary football. If you look at the statistics of this game, the biggest thing that stands out to me is the time of possession. Right, it's exactly what we talked about in pregame and leading up to the game. What needs to happen is Utah needs to control the clock, which you know they're one of the best teams in the nation at doing that. They average around 33, 34 minutes a game, which I think is top four, if not tied for first, um, with time of possession per game. And they got to keep it out of Caleb Williams' hands. And I think that we did that. We ran the ball really effectively. You know, um, having 150 yards rushing, uh, but you know, I think that. Um, oh, no, we had 240. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong column. Uh, 240 yards rushing, man, and that's exactly what you need to do. Keep it out of Caleb Williams' hands and make it easier on your defense. So, you know, all Caleb Williams had was the, the desperation of throwing the football, which, you know, as the DB, you know, like, look, okay, I lock in. I don't have to worry about all the other variables. I just got to handle my business. But, you know, if you look at the Maya Bond, Miles Battle, JT Broughton, the way they lined up against these guys and made it happen, tackling the catch and, and um, just being extremely active, even in the short passing game, the, the screen game and, and the running game, they were extremely physical. And um, that's exactly what you need out of the cornerbacks. And I absolutely love their presence. And their first, I think their first real test um, was against this USC teams. And I think they stood the test, man, and, and they did an amazing job. Stevenson Sylvester, the Hall of Famer, with us here on the Bill Riley Show today, brought to you by Proper Brewing Company. Um, I want to be very clear here when I ask this question. I don't believe that Cam Rising has been any sort of a distraction for this football team. But now that he is, you know, there's no chance of him returning. He's been shut down for the year. 
and the team knows Bryson Barnes is their guy. Hell, they voted him a captain before the game. Team voted him a captain before the game. He had to see on his chest on Saturday night. What does this do for the psyche or mindset of the team moving forward, knowing there's not that, that there's not that possibility. There, you know, there's not even in the back of their minds, maybe Cam will be back. Now they know Bryson's their guy. What does that do for the locker room? Well, one, um, I can't say that Cam Rising's situation wasn't a distraction. There was there. Whether how big it was is, is something that I can't determine, but that, that had to be there. You know, each and every week, you know, even, you know, people getting asked questions like, okay, what's this offense going to look like when Cam Rising going back? And, you know, even the team themselves are not understanding, like, okay, we're not getting great offensive output, but we know when Cam Rising was in there because we see it in that practice, that, you know, he was getting great offense output. So it's just like, okay, what what is that? So I, I think that wasn't intangible for this team. But, you know, just like everything, if you know what you have, you know what you have to work with, it makes it easier, right? Okay, I, I understand my task. I mean, Scott was saying it kind of in pregame. was just like, if you can understand that, you know, you're going to get this play call and you're going to get it called this way in the huddle, at the line of scrimmage, possible audible, all, you know who it's going to come from. You know what the likelihood of. Uh, as a receiver, I know where the ball is going to be because this is the type of quarterback throws it. You know, uh, Cam Rising throws the slant differently than Bryson Barnes throws the slant. And, you know, so Devon Bailey, if I'm looking up on a hitch route or I'm looking for a search route, which is, you know, in the zone, I got to find the open area. I know that this quarterback is going to look here because that is what I'm used to seeing throughout practice this week and what that chemistry was. So, as I said, the quarterback dosi do they had at the beginning of the season, that, that I don't think helps anybody. Um, you know, and, and for us to be 6-1 and one in this situation is, is something that I think a lot of people need to applaud, you know, around the country. you got to see that as, like, that is not easy to do, especially in today's day and age uh, with your uh, third and fourth string quarterback at the helm and, 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 and making it happen. But um, absolutely love this team, uh, what they're able to do. Bryson Barnes' confidence, um, he looked like a captain out there, right? Um, you know, going out those last couple drives, he, he really took it upon himself to, like, lead this team and communicate. And you've seen the energy. After he scored his rushing touchdown, he was feeling it, man. And so um, going into every game, knowing that you're the guy and to do the things that you, that you know you're capable of has to be very reassuring for him. All right, so now it gets more difficult. I said all summer long in the spring, I looked at the schedule and I said, people we were talking about, what's going to be the toughest game on the schedule? I said Oregon the entire time. A couple of reasons. One, where it fell on the schedule. It was the week after the USC game. And you and I both know you were on the field. You know how much emotion, how much goes into that USC mm-hmm. game. Then I thought Oregon would be right there with Utah as one of the two best teams in the league this year. Knicks. Another year with that defense. I think Dan Lanning's a really good coach. So I've said it all year long. It's playing out that way now, especially considering no rising, no Keithy, no Barton. So give me your thought on Bo Nix, who's the most efficient quarterback in the conference right now. 19 touchdowns, one interception, 78% completions, 2,100 yards passing, Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin. Give me your read on this team coming in here and what Utah faces. Man, they are elite. Uh, I think you're right. You know, this is going to be the toughest game to this point. My game was Washington, so, you know, that's still yet to be seen. You know, up in Seattle is going to be um, a pretty tough task as well. But um, Oregon, man, they, they lead the nation in pretty much every offensive statistical category. You know, they are putting up massive numbers, and they're just doing it so effortlessly. 
And um, it's, it's, it's really awesome to watch, you know, from the outside looking in. And I can't wait to dive deeper into, um, you know, my reasonings for uh, how we can come out of this game. Of course, I'm the biggest optimist when it comes to my youth, man. And so um, extremely biased. And uh, I, I understand that, but I always look for an edge in what we need in those situations. And so, um, you know, diving deep into Oregon this week is going to be absolutely awesome. Love that game day is coming here. Uh, but, you know, the, between Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin, they have so many weapons. I mean, uh, it, 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 honestly, man, we look great. When, when Utah can throw the ball really effectively, we're, we're very similar. You know, between Devon Vele, Money Parks, uh, Mikey Matthews now, um, when we had Brant Kesey, um, uh, all of our webmen, Thomas Jasmine, we, we were extremely dynamic in the things that we could do offensively. I, as I said, like with everybody healthy, I believe our offense was a 42, 45 um, point offense. And so um, I, I just think that it's going to be a great matchup. And one of the best defenses in the country versus one of the best offenses in the country. You're just going to see a lot of fireworks here on Saturday. And um, I can't wait to bring it to Rice-Eccles Stadium. Last question is a guy that made his living on the defensive side of the football, playing lots of snaps. Uh, Kyle Whittingham alluded a few minutes ago on his press conference to the fact that Sione Vaki could, could become more of an offensive player moving forward than a defensive player. And some of that has to do with, you know, the depth they've got on defense. Utah needs him on offense. He's the juice they haven't had on offense. But what, what, what in your mind, now that you've seen it for a couple of weeks, would you say is a good mix for him, offense versus defense, defense versus offense? Man, I you, you just don't know. You gotta you gotta pour into him, man. I I thought that you know this guy can't play every defensive snap and play that much offense, but he's proven it each and every week. So it's like uh, in games that are must wins, which I really feel like this Oregon game is a must win for us. Um, you know, to to stay ahead of the game, stay ahead of the curve as we're leading into to Washington, Arizona, and Colorado at the end of the year. I, I think this is a must win to get us in a, a good situation and, and comfortable situation to, to reach the Pac-12 championship. We need to win this Oregon game and put them out of the conversation um, and, and put us ahead of them in the conversation when it comes to tiebreakers and, and yada, yada, yada. So um, I, I think that you're going to need Sione on the defensive side of the football. But I agree with you. We're that much better when we're scoring points. Right. You know, just look how bleak we looked against Oregon State. We weren't doing anything offensively. Um, and then the last couple of weeks, we've had offensive explosions, you know, both, you know, our, our highest point totals of the season with 34 points each. Um, and I, I, we need it. Sione Vaki is coming in and, 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 and providing huge, huge uh, dividends to the point to where he could literally buy for an offensive uh, uh, all-conference all type player this year just because of what he's been able to do from the running back position. You know, 140 yards receiving last week, 160 yards rushing the week before. Um, he's doing it each and every week, and I don't think that there's a defense in the conference that has an answer for him. And so um, just by his presence being out there, you can use him as a decoy or whatever. It just opens things up, so I agree with you. We need him offensively. But to stop the offenses that we have coming um, at us here these last five weeks of the season, um, we're going to need him on the defensive side of the ball. But So I can't measure. I think that we just tell Sione, like, look, uh, be a professional. And listen, like, if you need a break on defense, articulate that. We do have people. Nate Ritchie's proven that he can step in there and make it happen. So utilize your team uh, as much as possible. Uh, but we'd love to have you on the field 24-7. <laughs>
Well, he'll be on the field, oh, not 24-7, but he'll be down there all game long Saturday at Rice-Eccles in the sun at 1.30. Big, the big Fox broadcast of Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, Jenny Taft, and, of course, game day here as well. And, of course, Scott Sly and I will have the call as well right here on ESPN 700. It's a big one, man. Can't wait till Saturday. Yes, sir. Thanks, Bill. See you later, Sly. Stevenson Sylvester with us here. On the Bill Riley Show, brought to you by Proper Brewing Company, home of the Riled Up Red Ale. Grab some for the tailgate this weekend. You can get it all over the place now. Smith's and Harmon's and Macy's, Maverick stores, and, of course, at Proper Brewing and right down in right down in downtown Salt Lake City at 857 South Main Street. All right, before we get a break, let's check in at Benyon Beef. Our buddy Alan Mitchell joins us weekly to kind of give us cuts of the week and what they're featuring this particular week. Sometimes it's steaks. Sometimes it's ground beefs. Sometimes it's a big side of beef. What are we talking about today, Alan? Hey, I just want to talk about that pig farmer on Saturday. <laughs> he did great, didn't he? He was awesome. He's, he, you're, you're not too far from him. He's from Milford. That's only, what, about an hour, hour and a half south of Vernon, right? Oh, a couple hours. But it's the same climate out here, same uh, wide open spaces. And, uh, boy, we love that guy. Well, you're a so, beef, you're uh, a you're a beef guy, Alan. He's a pig guy, but beef but beef and pork can coexist, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not as big as those farms down there were, and we do have lamb, but we <laughs> haven't done pigs yet. Well, shout it's, out to uh, Bryce and Barnes. What what do we what do we what do we want to feature in addition to the pig farmer today? Well, I just wanted to warn people about the holiday that's coming up, and we have contractors and other people every year that. They want to get uh, their employees a gift for the Christmas party, and they'll order 10 or 20 pounds of our Wagyu beef. And and so we got to get this lined up. It's about that time. And uh, we can do the ribeye box or we can do a hamburger box, whatever these these folks want. And so I just want to get that in their mind and tell them they're going to have to work it out directly with me to get discounts and number of boxes and things like that so probably best to give me a call um 435-841-7070 they can call you they can text you uh and they can they message you through the website too yes through the website or email which is also benyonbeef at gmail.com and uh, respond there but, yeah, we still have the ribeye sale going on and the ESPN discount. I also thought with these holiday boxes, I had this uh, beekeeper out on the ranch uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he, he has some hives out here, so he gave me some honey, and we're going to throw a jar of honey in with all these Christmas boxes or all the orders this week until it's gone. So, yeah, so get, we'll have that. get that together. I mean, Alan and his folks would love that. And that's a great gift for somebody in your life that maybe they have everything already or somebody in the office or maybe your boss as well. Right. A nice little beef box, a nice little gift box from Benyon Beef. And get those orders in now so when they get busy, they got you taken care of at Benyon Beef. 435-841-7070 to reach Alan directly or just at, online at BenyonBeef.com. Alan, thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Alan. Alan Mitchell with us here today on the Bill Riley Show. Quick timeout. Back to tell you what's for lunch. Read a couple of your text messages on a reaction over reaction Monday. Josh Newman in about 15 here on ESPN 700. It's lunchtime. You've been thinking all morning long about getting something good in your belly. 
But what should you choose today? Bill Riley has a suggestion for today. This is What's for Lunch here on the Bill Riley Show. Order up, boss. Now to give you today's menu, here's Bill Riley on Utah's number one sports talk. ESPN 700. Rack Shack, great Southern California fried chicken. They're what's for lunch this week of the Bill Riley Show. Locations at 9th and 9th down at uh, Fashion Place Mall. Riverton as well. Stop in and see them for lunch or for dinner. If you want a unique chicken eating experience, try the Crack Shack. And if you're eating in, you can even have a, a little cocktail inside as well. They offer beer and drinks inside at Crack Shack. I hit the 9th and 9th location. You can hit them all over town. Find them online at crackshack.com. That's Crackshack. They're what's for lunch this week here on the Bill Riley Show. Doing a reaction over reaction Monday on the text line. Dish Pro's text line is 877-353-0700. Text message. Is there anything that Caleb Williams wanting part ownership in an NFL team that drafts him? Saturday was amazing. I think we have a good chance this week against Oregon, but it's scary. I agree with those last two points. I, I No, there's not because the teams can't do that, but it was... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was, um, it was a story for last week, and now the story is, you know, should he stay and play, which I don't think is a story, but if he leaves, that will forever tarnish his reputation as a USC Trojan, that's for sure. You commit to the season, you commit to the season. You do. Plus, he's taken a lot of NIL money to play. Unless he's willing to give that money back, I think you should stay around and play. Uh, text message, hey, Bill, my birthday was Saturday. All I was wanted was a win. Thank you, Utah. Birth- best birthday ever. Well, happy birthday. Uh, hey, Bill. Great game Saturday. I want your honest opinion as someone who is on the inside. How is the personality of Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley? As a Utah fan, I've had little bitterness toward them during your coverage of Pac-12 Media Day. Williams missing his interview, then he tagged in with Lincoln Riley. Just seemed to be a cold shoulder toward our uh, toward us while our organization. Anyway, thanks. Go Utes. Uh, there was some arrogance. There was some cockiness. There was a little bit of a we're better than you attitude. They weren't mean or rude, but there was a haughtiness to them. I won't say there wasn't, and I think that translates to the field as well. Text message, hey, Bill, you're right. The SC culture is not good. The ironic thing is one of the top California prospects is going to Oklahoma in the class of 24. That's embarrassing. Yeah, as as bitter as Oklahoma fans were about the the departure of Lincoln Riley, I think that they can feel pretty good about things now uh, because Brent Venables, who I thought was a really good coach, uh, has things dialed in a whole lot better. He does. He's got a good quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, and he's got a good defense and playmakers. So you're Oklahoma. Your brand is going to be okay. USC's got shaky shaky ground right now. I would say that for sure. Text message, hey, Bill, would you expect Rose as the backup given the decision to stick with the current offensive scheme and starting Bryson? 
Would Nate be a changeup if the situation arose? Well, I don't know where Bri- I don't honestly I don't know where Brandon is. He's recovering from the injury that he suffered in the preseason, and I know he's been back and practicing for a couple of weeks. But I don't know if they're ready to put him in just yet. If he's ready to be, if he's game ready yet, he missed a lot of time, like like five, six, seven weeks. So I'm not sure if Brandon's quite at that point yet. Hey, Bill, today Dan Patrick called Coach Witt the second-best coach in America behind only Saban. He actually did not. Um, Sean Salisbury did. Sean Salisbury was a guest, uh, the former USC player himself way back in the day. Um, He was the one who said that. And Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in college football, period, end of discussion. He just is. As I've said before, and I'll say again, build the statue. Put it on the west side of the stadium, right where everybody walks in. We just have to decide which pose we want Kyle to be in. That's all. Text message. Hey, Bill, shout out to Barnes. Coach Witt was phenomenal against USC. His decision to sub D. Lyman every time USC made a sub was brilliant, taking pressure seconds off the clock. Also, at 146 left in the game, they intentionally let Caleb score so they could have enough time. Then the call at the end of the game for Barnes with the knee in the center was great, too. All of it was fantastic. Well, um, it wasn't to eat the clock as much as it was to slow USC down. Does that make sense? That was a tempo thing. And when you, when you sub, the other team's allowed to sub, and they have to hold till anyway. It was a brilliant tact by both Kyle Whittingham and, and Morgan Scally. Um, I'm not sure. I, don't, I, I need to ask Kyle that. I know it looked that way. I'm not sure definitively they let Caleb Williams score, but if they did, it was the right decision. A couple of more quick texts, and we'll get Josh Newman in. All that needs to be said the first 22 games as an SC coach. Clay Helton, 17-5. and five, Lincoln Riley, 17-5. and five. Text message. Oh, my buddy Albert Gamboa. Hey, Albert, what's up? Um, oh, yeah, I had a bunch of people hit me up with this this morning. Usually I'm listening to Dan Patrick all morning while I prep. I was talking to James when they did the play of the day. I was the play of the day on the Dan Patrick show today for the call of the end of the USC game. That was really nice. Thanks to Dan and the boys and the Danettes. And, Albert, thank you for doing that. Text message. It was awesome to hear you as the play of the day on the Dan Patrick show. Again, with your call of Cole Becker's game-winning kick. Oh, thank you very much. Text message. What up, Bill? Those TV announcers gave the Utes no credit. I feel a lot better about the Utes winning the conference after the game. Love me some pig farmers. I I, honestly, first of all, if you feel that way, listen to me, Scott and Sly. I'd love you to do that. I I watched, I'm not sure what TV announcers you're talking about because (laughs) I watched the game back yesterday while I was doing a bunch of chores around my house. I thought Benetti and Brock Heward were fantastic. I'm not too. I'm not sure two announcers could say more glowing things about Utah football. I just. I don't know if those are the guys you're talking about. I'm not sure that you and I were watching the same game. Maybe it was a different bunch of announcers. Maybe the game day guys, because everybody on game day except for Herb Street picked USC to win, and Herb Street will probably get a big, nice round of applause when he comes. So, anyway. Game day, by the way, will be up in President Circle where they always get set up. On They'll be setting up on Friday, early Saturday. It should be fun. And then Fox sends its A-team in. Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, and Jenny Taff will be in to do the game coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about that game on Saturday and more coming up with our buddy Josh Newman. Big thank you to Weight Vision for being great partners of ours. LASIK surgery, cataract surgery, eye surgery of any kind. Let Dr. Aaron Waite help you out. 
at Weight Vision. They use the state-of-the-art lasers and diagnostic equipment. If you go in and see his office and his OR, it's all right there in the UCCU building in Lehigh. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. LASIK vision correction is now the standard treatment instead of glasses or contact lenses. So if you've been thinking about ditching those contacts and glasses for a while, now might be your time to do it with Weight Vision. Their job isn't done until you're thrilled with your vision correction. So tour them online. Go to weightvision.com, W-A-I-T-E vision.com, and from there you can schedule your consultation. Once you're ready to go, pull the trigger and let Dr. Aaron Wait and Weight Vision fix your eyes. Quick timeout back on the other side. Bill Riley Show, hour one done. Josh Newman joins us. Steve Bartle, two in hour two. You're on ESPN 700. It's time to get the latest on Utah athletics from our Utes Insider here on the Bill Riley Show, presented by Les Olson IT, your office technology partner. Now here's Bill Riley with a Utes Insider on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. When last I saw Josh Newman... He was looking a little frenzied at the Long Beach Airport on Sunday morning after negotiating the 405 like an F1 driver, but he made it safely to the airport, and I think back to Salt Lake City, and he joins us right now. Uh, The adventures never cease on the road sometimes, do they? No. You know, and I tweeted out that story as kind of like a self-deprecating thing. You know, the the real kicker there that I, I, I didn't share was, my wife this morning was leaving on a work trip, so I'm taking care of our son for the next three or four days. So, like, if I missed that flight and, and couldn't get another flight and couldn't get home, it was going to be a real problem. So um, don't do the type of driving that I was doing on the 405. It was not safe. I'm not proud of myself, but I got home. Sometimes you have to do what needs to be done. That's it. And I did what needed doing, and it was good to see a friendly face. You, Bill, uh, at the terminal. And, yeah, I was a little white-faced. I was a little frenzied. Uh, thought I was having a panic attack as I parked the car. Uh, but we're home, and but, it's another game week, so we're moving forward now. Yeah, but and By the way, for those that don't travel very much, we say this all the time, there, there may not be a better, more convenient airport in America than the Long Beach Airport, and that benefited Josh Newman greatly because – the rental car lot is literally about 100 yards from the terminal itself. So you're in good shape right there. Yeah, if this was like LAX or Burbank, there was no, no – well, if it was Burbank, I might have still made that flight. Burbank's not that bad. But if it was LAX with the rental shuttle, there's no way I was making that flight. So uh, my first experience going through Long Beach was as good as everybody told me that it would be. So Utah's experience was pretty good. I had no idea what to make of Saturday night's game. I didn't have any idea who would step up, who would play, who wouldn't play. It was a typical Utah-USC game, wildly entertaining to the very end. Um, Your biggest takeaway from Saturday night was? My biggest takeaway from Saturday night, and I I don't think it necessarily has to do with Utah. I thought from a USC perspective, uh, coming off the loss at Notre Dame, I thought that USC was coming up on a bit of an inflection point, not just for this season, but for the Lincoln-Riley era and the tenure and what this program is right now and what it could be. And I thought that USC failed to meet the moment. Um, They played soft for a lot of that game. And Utah was able to dictate the tone and the tenor 
and they got it to their liking. They were able to run the ball, right? USC, uh, excuse me, Utah's um, offensive front was winning all night. Uh, they ran the ball terrific. Jaquindon uh, Jackson did what he did, looking as healthy as he has in, in, in quite some time, maybe as healthy as he's looked all season. And then the continued emergence of Sione Baki and Bryson Barnes played really well. I thought, you know, my big picture takeaway from that is not Utah. It's that USC failed to meet the moment. And I think big picture, this Lincoln Riley tenure is, is in some trouble because you still have to play Washington and Oregon this year. And if you look at USC's schedule next year, it gets no easier. It's going to hard. It's going to be really hard next year for USC going to the big 10, not to wind up nine and three, not to wind up eight and four. That's what I took away. There's a big value in today's day and age of college football where it's ever changing and everybody's trying to, you know, kind of coalesce to, you know, recruits needs and what the the trendy schemes are. There's a value, Josh, in knowing who you are and what you are. And I think that in in games like Saturday night, Utah knowing what their identity is and who they are can pay those dividends. And I thought they did on Saturday. They were very straightforward with what they were trying to do. There was no gimmicky stuff. There was nothing crazy. I thought Andy Ludwig called a really good game, save for some of the fourth quarter stuff, right? Where, you know, they were playing with a lead, and, you know, Bryson Barnes throws the early pick six there in the fourth quarter, so things got a little tight. I thought Ludwig got a little tight in the fourth quarter, but for 80, 85% of that game, thought he called a, a terrific game. And again, very straightforward. Look, you take a look at the opening drive. They, again, very straightforward. Jaquindon Jackson for nine. Jaquindon Jackson for 13. Sione Vaki on a wheel route. He beat his guy by two steps and he walked into the end zone. Um, yeah, quintessential type of um, quintessential type of Utah game where they are not trying to reinvent the wheel. They are just playing to their strengths. And their strengths traditionally are up front, running the ball, Quarterback needs to make a throw here and there, and that's exactly what they did. Do you think we've seen the best of Bryson Barnes yet, or can we? Do you think we can get a little bit more out of him with more reps and more? You know, obviously he's not looking over his shoulder now. He's getting all the first team reps, and now he's got real game experience in tough situations. Do you think there's a little bit more there? That's a great question, and I'm actually in the middle of writing that right now because, um, look, for the first five, six weeks, you had a situation where. Cam Rising's availability or lack thereof was sort of hovering around everything. And Rising was getting a share of the first team reps with either Bryson Barnes or Nate Johnson with the hope that Rising would be cleared late in the week. But the last two weeks, as Bryson Barnes, look, you look at Bryson Barnes' numbers against Cal and against USC, and you look how he's played, again, looking comfortable, looking confident. Kyle Whittingham stopped doing that split reps thing, okay? He's been making his decision on a quarterback on Monday, and that guy who has been Barnes for the last two weeks is getting all the first-team reps. So, uh, obviously, Cam Rising is now officially done for the season. He's going to take the medical redshirt. So, you're you're looking at Barnes getting all of the first-team reps now. So, can he get better? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he can, can get better, again, with, as you said, Bill, with more reps in practice, more game reps, more high-leverage situations in games like he saw against USC, especially on that final drive when he was terrific. So um, have we seen the best of Bryson Barnes? Um, maybe not. But what we saw against, um, against USC, the way he played in that game, if you get that game from Bryson Barnes with some help, you know, with the rushing attack, 
continuing to play well with the secondary doing its job, that level of play from Bryson Barnes is more than enough to win plenty more games for Utah this season. Josh Newman, KSL.com, with us here on the Bill Riley Show today. It was interesting to hear Kyle Whittingham. You know, Kyle is pretty straightforward, and when he wants to talk, he'll talk. He was asked pretty pointedly about Sione Vaki today in his press conference about divvying up time and reps, and I thought it was interesting to hear. He says, we're not at the point yet where we have to make a decision where he plays more or less or most of his time, but we may get there. But it certainly sounded to me, and I I don't think it's a bad idea, Josh, because of the depth they have on that defense, if he became a full-time offensive weapon or a most-of-the-time offensive weapon, I don't think that would be the wrong move for Utah football because that offense without him doesn't have a lot of juice to it. There's not that explosiveness to it. They they can grind a little bit, but they're, they're, they're missing that juice guy. I think they were hoping Micah Pittman might be that guy. But with him on the offense, it's a different-looking offense. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, this offense, again, for five games was bogged down completely, and they couldn't get anything going. And I think you nailed it by saying they didn't have the juice, right? They didn't have the energy, okay? Sione Vaki is that juice guy just with the amount of different things that he can do, right? You can set him up in the wildcat and direct snap it. You can hit him on a wheel route. You can give it to him as a running back in the traditional sense with a handoff. So that's, you know, that's an interesting storyline here. Um, obviously, he's been going both ways. But if you believe that you have the depth in the defensive backfield, whether it be uh, Nate Ritchie, who, you know, look, he, he was not perfect against USC playing in that first half while Cole Bishop was suspended for the targeting call against Cal. Nate Ritchie played well enough. Um, Kyle Whittingham referenced uh, um, John O'Hall as an option there in the secondary. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. But the point here is, and again, you alluded to this already, He's going to be playing offense. He's, he's too good. He's too versatile. He's doing too much right now to stop playing offense. So if you're in a position where you, you, know, you want to really, really give him a lot more responsibility on offense, you're going to have to be pretty certain that Nate Ritchie and or John O'Hall and Cole Bishop and whoever else back there is capable of, of, of picking up whatever slack uh, that Baki may leave. Because, look, Baki is a prolific safety. He's terrific. So if you're going to take him out of there either completely or, 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 or at least more, you're going to have to make sure, really make sure that your defensive backfield is, is, is solid yeah. beyond Baki. Especially with Oregon. And I'm not sure they're completely removing him this week, but with Washington in a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, you'll need to do that. Who's the defensive MVP right now? Who's the most critical player to that Utah defense? Uh, um, Jonah Ellis has been terrific. Um, you know, Projected backup defensive end for most of the offseason, for most of camp. Um, there were some injuries along the defensive front, right? Connor O'Toole didn't debut until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Van Fillinger has been banged up here and there. And all Jonah Ellis did was, you know, step in and, and play like a starter. You know, he's a starter on, what, 90% of the teams at the Power 5 level. He's got, you know, he's got 10 sacks. He's been a menace. He's been a disruptor. Um, so, yeah, you know, Jonah Ellis comes to mind first. And uh, Cole Bishop as well. You know, Cole Bishop comes into or came into this season with a lot of hype and a lot of preseason accolades and, you know, expected to take a step forward. I think he's been terrific as well. He is a, you know, a violent downhill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solid. 
solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Put your shoulder down and hit you type of safety. He's been, uh, he's been outstanding. And look, that's not always easy when you, when you're in a position that, you know, that Cole Bishop is, is, uh, is in, you know, getting the accolades and getting the hype. And, you know, you're talking about draft stock and is Cole Bishop going to be a three-year guy, a la Jalen Johnson, right? Stuff like that. And he has really answered the bell. Uh, very mature kid, uh, goes about his business in a way that, you know, that Kyle Whittingham prefers, right? Head down, you know, just film study and, and, and just all the work that he does. So, again, you know, Jonah Ellis comes to mind first. Uh, but Cole Bishop is is like right there. Yeah, I think Ellis would be your MVP based on what he's done. But I think Bishop's the most important player to that defense because I just sure. think he organizes everything. He's the guy that gets the secondary in order. He comes up in the box. All the stuff you outlined he did. But I think the leadership and the organization on the back end is something that he probably does and, and doesn't get probably credit for because it's pre-snap stuff. But I think he's the guy getting everybody in the right place. Yeah, and I'm actually working on something now, kind of like bigger picture, long form on on Cole Bishop and just, you know, learning a little bit more about him and, you know, talking to some people. And, you know, he uh, he, he was very grateful for his time here as a freshman when, look, he's far from home, right? He's from Peach, Peach City, Tree, Georgia, Peachtree City, Georgia, you know, far from home, comes here, and he, he stepped into a position room that was very mature, very older, and he was able to lean on those older guys when he was a freshman, and now he's that older guy, and freshmen are looking to lean on him, which is that's the you know the evolution of, of college football, right? And teams and rosters and and, um, and position rooms. So um, interesting look at Cole Bishop that I'm working on here coming uh, hopefully next week. Josh, if I can pull it all together in yeah, time. Josh, with us for a moment or two more here. The Ducks this week. I thought this would be the toughest game on the schedule all year. It's shaping up to be that right now. This is the to me. I I thought going into the year, and I was assuming Keithy and and, and obviously Rising playing. I just thought these two teams were going to be the most balanced teams offensively, defensively, with the quarterbacks, with the leaders, with the coaches, all that stuff. You know, I I know Washington beat Oregon up in up at Husky Stadium. I'm still not so sure that Oregon isn't the most balanced team. Washington can really pitch it around, but, you know, neutral fielder in Eugene, maybe that's an Oregon game. Either way, I, I think this task this Saturday is monumental because they don't make many mistakes and beat themselves, and they're they're pretty good. No, this is a big one, and I would say that they're the most balanced team. And, yeah, Washington has the most prolific offense with the quarterback and the receiving core, but Oregon probably did enough to win that game up in Seattle, uh, you know, some of the decision-making on fourth down by Dan Lanning that can get, you know, talked about, but they did, they at least did enough to be in position to tie that game. 
uh, late. So, yeah, this is a monumental task. Look, they run the ball very effectively with Bucky Irving. Uh, Bo Nix is not – he's not slinging it all over the field, but he's very efficient and he's very smart and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I can promise you that Oregon's defense is going to tackle, which <laughs> USC's defense did not. Now, um, Utah's tough at home, right? 18 straight, 19 straight wins going back to 2020 at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, the place is going to be up, right? College game day is coming. You, you would expect the place to be raucous. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating because both these teams, they're playing for everything. Both these teams have one loss in the conference. Um, conference championship stuff at stake. If you want to believe that Oregon is a national championship contender, you have that at stake. So uh, highly, highly intriguing game here with everything on the table still for both teams. It's really a showcase for the university and the program this week, too, especially coming off that SC win. McAfee show will be there on Friday, game day on Saturday, big noon college on uh, not big noon, but the uh, but the, the the big Fox broadcast team. And, it you know, it's supposed yeah. to be a good fall. I mean, it's it, it's exactly what you want if you're Utah athletics, the University of Utah, Utah football. Now you just got to go out and take care of business. Yeah, it's shaping up. The whole thing is shaping up as something very significant. Again, not just in terms of football, but for the University of Utah, whose look, whose national brand has, has, has grown exponentially here in the last two years, just with what they've done, winning the Pac-12 twice, getting to play in the Rose Bowl twice. Uh, look, this is you know the mountain time zone. Okay, college game day does not come here all the time. So when college game day shows up in this part of the country, whether it be mountain time zone, they were in Seattle for the Washington-Oregon game. It's a big deal when college game day comes this far west. And again, uh, you know, huge opportunity for the program, the community, you know, the university. Uh, these are the things you want. You know, you want to be in position to have this type of showcase. And, you know, in spite of all what the rising stuff, and the Keithy stuff and the injuries and, you know, Nate Johnson, Bryce, the whole thing, everything that's gone on this season, in spite of all of it, you're here. You're six and one. And again, everything's on the table in spite of whatever awards you may have had, which is a testament to, you know, the culture and the job that Kyle Whittingham and his staff have done. Big week for Utah football and their fans and college football here. Big week and a big test for Josh Newman's parenting skills. We hope he survives the week <laughs> and that we see him on Saturday. Are you feeling good about things? My dude is real mellow. Uh, no concerns whatsoever. All right. Well, good luck to you, Father. And uh, if I need, if you need anything, give just give me a shout. Appreciate you, Bill. Thanks, Thanks. Josh. Josh Newman with us from KSL dot com. Uh, good stuff. He and both Josh, he and Josh Furlong both had great stories. They were both on the scene uh, on Saturday night at the Coliseum. And of course, you know what Josh does: this mailbag and the podcast that they do together, and all that stuff. So go find it at KSL dot com. Uh, and appreciate uh, Josh and Josh contributing to the show on a regular basis. Uh, I'll be at a Smith's somewhere. I don't know which Smith's I'll be at on Friday, but I'm going to be at a Smith's location because it'll be a football Friday. So come on out and see me. Pick up some riled up bread. Get all your tailgate stuff for Saturday and come by and see me at the official grocer for Utah Athletics. Great partners of ours here at ESPN 700. Smith's Food and Drug. Whatever you need, you can get it for your tailgate. Whatever your grocery needs are, too, they're great. And they got plenty of Utah gear in there, too. So stop in and see me on a Friday and stop in and see them all week long at Smith's Fresh for Everyone. Bill Riley Show just about halfway home on this Monday. We've got Bartle on the other side. Also coming up, 
We've got Antonio Morales, college football writer from The Athletic. He was at the Coliseum Saturday night. He covers USC, but also the Pac-12. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about what he saw, but also some big picture stuff for the conference of the country. All that on the way. Bill Riley Show, ESPN 700. Jump into the portal. The Bartle portal, that is. Utes own Steve Bartle brings you the latest on the Utes, the recruiting trail, and plenty more every Monday on the Bill Riley Show. Our weekly chat with Utes own Steve Bartle is brought to you by Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Bartle joins us on Mondays. Just a quick update. The uh, Vegas line on the Utah-Oregon game opened at 6.5. It's now up to 7. Utah catching a touchdown plus PAT at home on Saturday. Seems like a big line considering what Utah did last week. Maybe that's just disrespect for USC. I don't know. But big number right now. I can't remember the last time Utah was a 7-point home underdog. Might have to go back and research that. Get my stats guy, Dave Spadafor, on that for me. Uh, Steve Bartle, on loan from UteZone.com, was uh, at the Coliseum Saturday night taking in the festivities. Uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked uh, Josh Newman a little while ago. What was your biggest takeaway from Saturday night's game? This team is really good at finding ways to win. Um, man, my goodness. Just, just when you think, like, we've seen it all, you know, Kyle Whittingham and his coaching staff, find a way to surprise. And I, you know, I think, um, you know, talking about that game last week, there was just like a feel like, okay, USC's not played great, but, you know, at some point it's going to start, it's going to click. And um, Utah took away some things that um, I think really impacted the game, really impacted the flow of the, the offense. They changed you know, one one of the biggest things that they adjusted was their their blitz rate, and I think that caught USC by surprise. So, you know, overall, just um, just impressed with the way um, Kyle Whittingham, his coaching staff, his players just find ways to win these games. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you may not be able to win them all, but you can trust that you know Kyle Whittingham and his staff they're going to give their best uh, to to find a way to win in each of these each of these matchups. Yeah, there were so many stories. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday with somebody. There were so many ways and angles and stories you could go at this. Maybe it was Bryson Barnes playing the best game of his Utah career for sure and really only making the one big mistake. That was the 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 pick six. Or maybe it was again the continued immerse uh the the continued, you know, uh play of, of Sionivaki. Or was it the defense not giving up the passing touchdown to the best quarterback in college football? Or maybe it was the offensive line which continued to improve. Or maybe it was those defensive ends who seemed to get better and better. I mean, there's just so many of those storylines to look at. But let's start with Bryson yeah. Barnes here, Steve. Um, he's getting better and better every week. It's very visible. It's very apparent. And I think it's not just one thing. People want to say, well, you know, he's, he's getting all the first-team reps. In practice, and I think that certainly helps. There's no doubt about that. I just think it's playing more real game reps. I just think it's seeing real game reps and the guys around him stepping up too. But you tell me, why do you think he's getting better every week? Well, I do think practice reps are important. I think that was a big reason for his struggles, you know, in week two. And I think just kind of the the way that this all transpired, I think there were some things that, you know, affected it, as it would any quarterback. Um, just sort of affected his play early on this season. But now, 
you know, that we have clarity on, on the quarterback situation and Bryson is able to, to take a large, uh, the, the large chunk of those, those important QB reps. I think like that helps, but I do think just you know, being out there and making plays and being on the field and, and getting that game experience is so important. So it's all of, all of the above uh, with, with Bryson. And I thought, you know, it was going to be important for him to take a step forward um, at least in one area. And I thought, you know, one of the most important areas would be to, uh, and one of the easier things would be to, um, you know, take advantage of when USC blitzes because they're giving you an opportunity to, you know, to attack where they're blitzing. Uh, that's been something that opposing teams have done this season was, uh, you know, take advantage of USC when they blitz. But where Bryson, uh, you know, really just kind of stepped up was, you know, he, when he had a clean pocket, um, you know, he performed really, really well. And I think he was 9 of 11. I think he had over 160 yards when he was kept clean. And so that was, that was to me, uh, a big step for him. And, and, you know, we saw some things from him that we haven't seen, you know, in the previous game. You know, he made some throws on some routes that we haven't seen. Um, and, and I thought that that was good. He tacked, he attacked more areas of the, of, of the field, which was important uh, because, you know, a lot of the, his throws in previous games were to the sidelines. And I think that was a good step for him. And, and to me, that speaks of, uh, you know, confidence level first and foremost for him, but also just him seeing the field a little bit better. And, and I think that that's a good sign. So, um, you know, it's all of the above. It's the practice reps. It's the game reps. And he's just he's just gaining confidence and comfort in the offense. He's building that chemistry with guys. And, and yes, there's, you know, still going to be some mistakes. We're still talking about a quarterback that you know, has only started a couple of games now in his career. And so uh, there's all of that. But he's he showed a good amount of progress. And to do that on the road, uh, you know, in that atmosphere, the, the Coliseum, it wasn't packed to the brim, but it was still a pretty good crowd. And that place can get rocking. And so, uh, you know, it's, it was a, a good performance overall from him. And to step up when, when the offense needed him most to make the plays um, that he did at the end there to get that big run, man, that was huge. And, and just a big, will be a big confidence booster for him in the offense moving forward. Kyle Whittingham said that Sione Vaki is going to continue to play both ways. But if the time comes where a decision has to be made, would you play him on offense or defense? I would play him on offense in part because you have good depth at safety and, you know, you've got guys that can fill in there. And the impact he's made on offense has been pretty remarkable. I mean, this has changed the entire feel of, of the offense where, you know, explosive plays were fairly hard to come by. And now in two consecutive weeks, Tony Vaki's, you know, added an explosive play on the ground. He's added a couple explosive plays through the air. Uh, just his ability to impact that side of the ball seems more, you know, it's more, more direct, right? Like he's good at safety and is impacting plays. Um, you know, a lot of the time and a lot of, times we don't necessarily see his impact because he's just in a good position and eliminating guys in coverage. But I think his ability to, to impact the offense where he can generate these chunk yardage plays um, in, in a number of, you know, in a couple of different ways, I think 
you gotta you gotta stick stick him on offense and roll with that the rest of the way again because you know his, his impact there but then you have the depth at safety to handle you've got Cole Bishop you've got Nate Ritchie Jonathan Hall Britton Allen you've got those guys in that room that can step up Tao Johnson even can play some of that free safety so uh, you've got guys that can step up in his place still. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. The offense with him, he first of all, this offense just kind of lacked juice. It just didn't have yeah. that bit of juice. I, I think they were hoping Micah Pittman would be one of those guys. Obviously, he's out for the year. But it's not just the juice he brings. It's what you said, Steve. You can line him up as a wildcat quarterback, as a running back, as a slot receiver. You can split him out wide. There, there's not one spot that you're playing him. He's in multiple locations, yeah. and Andy's done a really good job of finding ways to put the ball in his hand. So, yeah, I'd love for him to keep playing both ways. I think he will this week against Oregon. But if that time comes, he's yeah. just he, he's he's the, the offense misses something when he's not there, and you need that. And there's good depth. You can you can you can fill in around him on defense. For sure, and I think you know. He mentioned juice, and he's added a ton of juice to that run game. And if you add a ton of juice to that run game, you know, that's that's always something that Kyle Whittingham loves. So I think, you know, Bucky has been pretty dynamic. Um, and like you said, he's just able to do so much on the offensive side of the ball. He's so unique. And, it's you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot today. It's like why why is it that, you know, the offense didn't have a player, doesn't have a player like this? Uh, why are we having to move a defensive player? And this always seems to be the case with these kind of unique passages, and not just at Utah, right? The the Weddle, the Asiata passages, um, you know, Miles Jack at UCLA, and I'm sure there's a number of other guys that that have these similar type of roles. Defensive players coming to offense that just have these unique packages. Why why don't we have a designated position, a designated you know unique position where he's just this. Swiss Army knife, and you know maybe that, maybe this is uh, changing that. I don't know, but you know Vaki, like you said, he's just added a ton of juice to the offense, which was uh, w- was obviously missing. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Does a win like that in Southern California against USC help Utah swing anything in recruiting? Because they've done it now consistently. I mean, I don't know how many times they battle SC for recruits per se, but they are in homes in in Southern California, and SC is a factor in Southern California. Does Does a win like that, the way they've done it, help them in recruiting? A game like that is going to help you in more than just Southern California. A game like that that is on national TV against USC is going to be noticed by recruits across the country. But, you know, in particular, Southern California, it's a big deal. And to get that win, um, you know, against against that USC team with Lincoln Riley, with Caleb Williams, with all the hype around that team, um, to get that win and to do it in the way that they did, I think, you know, it's huge, and you know, I reached out to Utah Commits to get their reaction, which is posted at utahone.com for our subscribers. 
you know, they, they loved watching the game and that was just the general sense from, from commits super impressed by the effort, by the showing. And, you know, these games have no recruit is going to decide where they're going to play football based on the outcome of one game. But when you add this to the rest of your message, that's where it can start to make an impact. And if you have a couple of these games, you know, that you can on the resume that you can point to, and Utah now does, they have two wins over the LA schools. They have a win over Florida. They have game day coming to Salt Lake city this weekend. These are things that by themselves aren't going to, you know, influence decisions Utah's ways, but collectively it just adds, you know, meaning and substance to the message that Utah, you know, sends to these recruits. And so it all, it all matters. It, it's definitely a big plus. You want to play in these big games. You want to play on these big stages. You want to play in these big, uh, you know, big game opportunities and USC in Los Angeles with a reigning Heisman winner. That's, as, you know, not as big as it gets, but it's up there. It's, it's a big game. So yeah, it absolutely helps you on the recruiting front. And of course, you get the poster board this week of game day, the Pat McAfee show, the big noon, uh, yep. the big noon broadcast team that's here to do the game. That's all good too. Anything on the recruiting front? Anybody close saw the commitment last week? The one kid, I think he was a defensive back, ended up choosing USC, and Utah was in that final group of the kid from Southern California. But anything on the horizon right now to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mentioned on that Isaiah Rubin. Uh, you know, an, an official visit was going to be important, and he never officially visited. So there you go. You know that was that was not one that I was I was <laughs> anticipating at all. Um, but this week is going to be a big weekend. Uh, you know, there's going to be a couple big big visitors for this Oregon game. Um, Jericho Johnson is perhaps the biggest. I don't want to say the biggest, but one of the biggest uh, remaining targets on the board. He's a four-star defensive tackle out of Northern California. Uh, hails from the same area as Quinton Ganther, and uh, those two have created quite uh, quite a good relationship. And so he's going to be on campus this weekend for an official visit. Um, big body, six four, three hundred pounds, plays with a ton of power. The sort of defensive tackle that you would love to see, you know, at, at Utah. Uh, Roger Saliapaga, a highly regarded three star, four star type kid, French four star type kid out of Orem. Uh, you know, he's being recruited by. Um, you know, Tennessee, Auburn, Oregon, UCLA. He's got a number of big programs after him as well. He's going to be on campus this weekend. And, you know, there should be, with this sort of atmosphere, there should be a number of other, um, you know, visitors officially and unofficially this weekend. And so I think a lot of things are, are still to be finalized on that front. Uh, but uh, but I expect a similar atmosphere to what we saw last last year with USC coming to town. Uh, Utah had, I think, close to 20, 25 visitors last weekend, uh, you know, across a couple different classes, and I would expect more of the same. And so, uh, big opportunity this weekend for Utah to host some recruits and to, uh, you know, to make their uh, their their pitch official to some of them, and and to provide a good experience for for the rest of them as well. So, uh, like I said, big opportunity for Utah this weekend on the recruiting front. Hey, Steve, Travis Kelsey's still open. Shut up, man. You, you, listen, uh, we played horribly and we still had a chance to win that game. No, so, you didn't. You, know, you lost by 14. You didn't score in the second, you didn't score in the second, the second half. Is we were there, we were there, we were there, 
and we we made mistakes. We gave that game away, and and so yeah. What what? How else does BYU explain away losses? How how do they go about doing that? What what are some of the the transit transit? Never mind. I'm just gonna stop. You can't even scream 1984 like that guy Jake did because you guys haven't ever even won a, a Super Bowl. You've it's only been in blank. one. It's just blank. Yeah, we never won a Super It's just blank. The, the Super Bowl on the wiki page, it's just blank. And so, yeah, I can't I can't scream that either. You might even say it's a blank space. Hey, now, come on, dog. Come on. Like, look, we got Herbert. He's struggling right now. You know, he's got a bad middle finger. Um, you know, a middle finger, I'm sure he'd love to flip off a handful of guys. Um, you know, look, he'll get it fixed. He'll figure it out. I trust in Herbert. Um, Brandon Staley, I loved him at the beginning, but, man, that I don't know anymore. I don't know. It's, it's tough to be a Charger fan right now, Bill. Seven games into the season, and the Chiefs already have a three-game lead in the AFC West. It's a beautiful thing. Nobody cares, Bill. Nobody cares in this conversation. Nobody cares. <laughs> You know what's scary? The Chiefs actually have a defense now, Steve. They actually have a defense. Oh, man, listen, do you want me to cry on air? Like, is that what you're trying to do? Just, just man, woof. I, uh, the Raiders are, are ahead of us in the AFC standings of all teams. The Raiders, Bill. Like, that's how bad this is. You know, forget that you have a three-game lead. It's that the Raiders are, are ahead of us, and that is just, that's tough, man, because the Raiders are awful. It's true, but at least you're a half game ahead of the Broncos. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Why I'm done. This, this is the, I know, too. I'm done. This Why is this is my feelings too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This was I, I should have just left it at Travis Kelsey's still open. That but. hurts the worst of all of this. That we only have a half game lead on the Broncos. That is that's the that's the one that that's the final blow, man. You, uh, Mortal Kombat finish him? You just finished me with that one. Jeez. It was the old Mike Tyson's punch out. Body blow, body blow, body blow. <laughs> Knock him out. <laughs> and the Chargers are glass Joe. That's all I know. Oh, yeah. No, that, that perfectly sums us up. Good grief. Hey, Bartle, still love you. Appreciate you, Bill. Thanks, talk, man. Talk to you later. Steve Bartle of UteZone.com here on the Bill Riley Show. Eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. If you want to reach the program on the Dish Post text line, Reaction Over Reaction Monday. I want to send a shout out and thank you to Les Schwab Tires. They're the title sponsor of this show uh, for more than seventy years. Folks at Les Schwab have taken pride in their performance, provide a great product, and build customers for life. That's one business where your customer service has to be good because people need tires over and over and over again. So if you don't treat them right the right the first time, they're never going to come back to you. Well, clearly Les Schwab does something right because they've been in business for 70 years. They don't just sell tires. They take pride in doing what's right for their customers. Single-minded focus on customer satisfaction. So the next time you need tires or you need a realignment or you need an oil change or just a safety check, maybe you're taking a big old road trip somewhere. Maybe you're off to Boise, Idaho or Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're hopping in the car, whatever it might be. Make sure your car's in good running shape. Stop in and see the good folks at Les Schwab Tires. They'll take good care of you. Find them online at leschwab.com. All right, quick time out. Back on the other side. A couple of your text messages coming up. A couple of news and notes from the day. We'll give you our Americans for Prosperity MVPs for Saturday night's Utah win and more. 
Antonio Morales, who covers college football for The Athletic, joins us in a bit. Got a good show tomorrow. Gordy's coming by tomorrow on the program, which should be a lot of fun. Craig Smith, they had their secret scrimmage on Saturday against a Big Ten team. We'll talk to him. Ian Fitzsimmons is going to come by. We'll talk to Ian and more on the way tomorrow. So we'll have a good show for you tomorrow right here. Hour two is almost done. Back on the other side, Bill Riley Show, ESPN 700. Bill Riley's got you covered on all things sports. This is the Bill Riley Show from the Valley Collision Studio. Let's get back to Bill on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of will and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul away. All right, heading toward one here on the Bill Riley Show, ESPN 700. We do it every Monday after a football game, our Americans for Prosperity MVP award for Saturday's game. That's going to be a co-MVP because I don't think you can get, I don't think you can pick one without the other in this. Bryson Barnes and Sione Vaki will share it this week. They were both fantastic. Barnes made the plays down the stretch. Vaki's juice that he adds in the run game, the pass game was just it was unsurpassed, and he made a lot of tough runs that weren't just scores, too. So those are our AFP MVPs for Saturday's game. A um, couple of other weekend observations. Uh, BYU with a solid defensive win. Their offense is still not what it needs to be, to be very honest. But Jay Hills clearly made a great impact on that defense. Forced five turnovers against Texas Tech on Saturday. Got that 24, uh, 27-14 win. Uh, the Aggies, they're probably not going to go bowling this year. They needed that game at San Jose Saturday, and they got doubled up 42-21. I'm not sure um, who the best team still is yet in college football. I think it changes week to week, but I'll say this. um, Michigan is impressive in their wins. They haven't really played anybody. Michigan State is, is not great, but man. Michigan goes out and does what it needs to do. And J.J. McCarthy's been fantastic. He's now, I think he's now the leading, the leading odds on favorite to win the Heisman this year. Caleb Williams not going to win it. Uh, I'm not sure if Penix can win it or not, but J.J. McCarthy's been really good. So I'm not sure if it's Michigan. Maybe it's Ohio State. They weren't great Saturday, but they were defensively against Penn State. Um, anyway. Michigan made its case Saturday to be maybe the best team. Georgia's going to have that till they lose, though, just because they're two-time champs. Uh, and they should win this week. They're at the cocktail party in Jacksonville this week, but they should win that. Belichick got his 300th win. I did not see that coming. Patriots aren't real good, but they, they had a game plan Saturday for the Bills. And then we've got baseball today. We've got the uh, NLCS and ALCS. The ALCS is in Game 7. That's going to be on our sister station, ESPN 960, tonight. We'll have the Monday night football game tonight. Uh, the Vikings playing tonight on Monday night football. Um, but we'll have uh, the baseball on our sister station. Then there's the NLCS game six tonight. Phillies up 3-2 in that series. Arizona wins. They force a game seven coming up tomorrow night. So a couple of news and notes there on things. Um, Saturday, pregame begins at 9.30. Uh, Porter and Nate will have that for you. Then Scott Sly and I from the Smith's tailgate tent. It'll be chilly Saturday now. I think the high Saturday is only supposed to be about 55 degrees. I don't see any weather weather in the forecast. 
and it's middle of the afternoon, but it's it's going to be a little chillier. It's going to get a little colder this week, so I want to bundle up for that game if you're coming to Utah, Oregon. And again, we'll have lots of stuff on that game throughout the week right here on the Bill Riley Show. Spence will have it covered as well. Game day will be up at President's Circle on uh, Friday afternoon, and then Saturday morning in full effect. So. That all coming up. And uh, Stanford Steve is going to join us this week. We love Stanford Steve, friend of the program. He'll be here for game day. And we're efforting some others as well. And by the way, the NBA season opens tomorrow night. Jazz open up on Wednesday, but the NBA season opens up tomorrow night. And with that season about to tip off once again, do do me a favor. I think you'll really like this. It doesn't cost you a dime to, to download the app. And you can put in as much as you want. Underdog Fantasy. With the NBA season going, the pick'em game is a lot of fun. It's a fantasy game, but it allows you to win real money. Basically, what you do is you create an account. Maybe you put ten bucks in. Maybe you put five hundred bucks in. Whatever it is, anywhere between ten and five hundred. Underdog Fantasy will double that initially if you use my promo code, uh, Bill Riley. But here's the deal: you're just picking you're picking players. It's just individual players, and you're, they're going to give you a number, and you're just picking whether you go oh, uh, above or beyond or uh, uh, up. Uh, uh, above or below whatever that number is you can pick between two and five to do it and you can win up to 20 times your money if you go five for five and it's legal in utah it is ton of fun to play watch whatever team you create of players and try to win some money it's, it's fun i'm trying it out it's fun and it gives you a little something more to root for in a game too so build your team download their mobile app or go to underdogfantasy.com sign up with my promo code bill riley and again, they'll double your first deposit. So if you want to just start with 25 bucks, you use the promo code Bill Riley. Underdog Fantasy will throw another 25 in there for you. It's it's great. And they'll give you a special bonus pick in your pick'em lobby, too, that you can have some fun with. It's Underdog Fantasy, the mobile app, or underdogfantasy.com, and the promo code Bill Riley to get your first deposit doubled. Now you must be 18 in a state where it's present, and Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply, concerned with your play, very easy. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. It's Underdog Fantasy. Antonio Morales joins us next from The Athletic. Thoughts on Saturday night in SoCal and the big picture of the Pac-12 coming up here on ESPN 700. Welcome back to the Bill Riley Show, presented by Les Schwab Tires, your home for University of Utah football talk in the middays. Here is Bill Riley on your home of the Utes and Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Final hour here on a Monday show. Tomorrow night, Kyle Whittingham coaches show, yours truly and the coach. Uh, we'll recap the USC game a little bit, look ahead to Oregon. I'll find out who the players are that are coming by. Maybe we'll have Bryson Barnes come by. That'd be nice. Maybe Sione Vaki, too, although Sione was with us last week. Uh, so Utah's on to Oregon. They're 6-1. and one. So are the Ducks. Saturday night was another gr- just great, fun, entertaining game with USC. They had a blast calling it, and they always play seemingly competitive games. I don't think the folks on the other side found it quite as entertaining um, but uh, there's some issues that have to be dealt with, I think, down there, and I'm not sure they've been cured in one season. Thought we'd talk about that, some Pac-12 football and more, with a guy that covers USC and the Pac-12 for the Athletic, Antonio Morales, joining us on loan today from the Athletic. Antonio, how are you? Good, Bill. How's everything going? Things are going well. So <laughs> I, I've asked this question of Josh Newman, who was there Saturday night. I've given my thoughts. Your biggest takeaway from Saturday night was what? Uh. In this series, these games have 
two of the three games the past year have come down to basically the final moments. I think my takeaway has just been when when it's mattered most, Utah's been better than USC. And Cal uh, Woodingham has been a better coach and got them through uh, situations, got Utah through situations better than, than Lincoln Riley has. And um, it's not a coincidence when it happened three times in a row. And uh, I, I just think that uh, that's what stood out to me most over uh, over the past three matchups and on Saturday night with uh, USC and Utah. Yeah, coaching and culture, I think, matter a lot in college football, and Utah's got a really good one. I thought for a long time, you know, when the, when you were going through Sarkeesian and Kiffin and even Helton a little bit, I'm not sure that I think they were always trying to create that culture Pete Carroll had, which was so very good till the very, very end. But I thought maybe Lincoln Riley would be able to, to, to change that a little bit. And certainly they've had good success and they're fun to watch, but not the kind of success USC had hoped for. You're around it more than I am. It's weird to watch when you're an outsider and you just see some shots of Caleb Williams by himself on a bench, no teammates around him, and Lincoln Riley consistently screaming at officials about different things and the defense struggling. Is the culture better there than it was pre-Lincoln Riley, or is it kind of the same in just a little bit different way? Uh, I think it's not as bad as it was towards the tail end of Clay Helton. I still think it has room to grow, though, and I still think there's things that need to be improved. And uh, that's what I wrote this morning. I think last year they had Travis Dye, and Travis Dye was such a great emotional leader for them. And he would point out, like, after games, and they had that big win at Oregon State last year, and then the next week uh, it was like a 17-point win over Arizona State, but it was kind of sluggish. And then he mentioned, like, hey – we're playing with complacency. If we play like this against better teams, we're going to lose. It's going to get us beat. And uh, this year you just like, but that team had, I think that team kind of maxed out its talent level. There wasn't a lot of talent on defense. They're bad, but I think they maxed out what they did, what what they could. Um, This team has more talent. And when they were six to no, they they still showed a lot of troubling habits, but they just walked around with this extreme sense of confidence. Like everything's okay. Um, when it was clear that things weren't all okay, like they, they showed a lot of troubling patterns um, throughout the first six weeks. And now we see them over these past two weeks against Notre Dame, against Utah, and um, those bad habits cost them. And uh, so I think that's something that needs to get sorted out, that discipline, that um, chemistry, the, the, the tough – the tough stuff that where culture really shines through and really gets a program like Utah through those tough times. I think that still needs to be established. Makes sense. Do you get a sense Lincoln Riley's a long time guy there, or is he a guy that has a little bit of a wandering eye that would look to maybe go to the NFL if the opportunity presented itself? That's the great question that only he really knows about. Uh, After the game on Saturday night, he did mention, he said he's in it. Yeah, he signed up for to be here for a long time and basically said they're in it for the long haul. But, I mean, those NFL rumors aren't going to really ever stop. So um, this is going to be something that's always going to be a storyline no matter how long he's at USC. And it's going to be hyper hyperactive this year just because Caleb is going to be Caleb is gonna be the number one or number two pick in the draft. So um, it'll be interesting to watch. I know 
some of the fans already trying to look out for the signs. Uh, new AD, who he hasn't worked for before. Uh, probably no Caleb next year. Moving to a much tougher conference uh, where there's a lot of Utahs in, in the Big Ten. <laughs> um, and uh, and recruiting hasn't gone as well as everyone thought it was going to under Lincoln. And so, you know, the fans are trying to look for the signs. Like, oh, does this mean he's going to the NFL? What does, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, so I, I think uh, everyone's kind of aware of that at the moment. Antonio Morales from The Athletic with us here on the Bill Riley Show. Just a quick thought from you on Kyle Whittingham, and you've seen him, covered him now for a number of years in the Pac-12, the last few years, and maybe more importantly, what, what they've been able to do and overcome this year to still be in the position where they are despite not having Cam Rising, Brant Keithy, losing Lander Barton, missing Micah Pittman. Um, what what are your impressions as you co- you cover the league and all that other stuff? But your impressions of Whittingham and the program that's right now the best in the league until somebody knocks them off. Yeah, I have some Pac-12 thoughts running tomorrow, and in there I wrote that Washington's number five in the country, and Kalen DeBoer is probably the favorite for Pac-12 Coach of the Year. But Kyle Whittingham has a tremendous argument to make for Pac-12 Coach of the Year, considering what Utah has been up against um, this year and what they've done. Uh, with all those injuries and to be six and one, um, to still be alive in a difficult Pac-12 conference with no rising and everyone else has been hurt. It's just been, it says a lot about Kyle Whittingham and the tremendous job he's done at Utah, building that program and building that culture. Um, like, like we just said, that culture is kind of what gets you through that, um, gets you through that storm. And um, it has this year. It's not like, Utah's had an easy schedule. They've had two Power Five non-conference wins, um, beat USC on the road, uh, beat a tough UCLA team with a great defense. Um, it's been, it hasn't been an easy road, and they're here um, in the mix still, with their hopes still alive for a third Pac-12 title. And I think it's um, just a tremendous testament to what he's built. Based on what you saw last weekend in person, and what lies ahead this week for Utah. Um, your thoughts on Utah and Oregon at Rice-Eccles on Saturday. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what this matchup is like between Oregon's offense and and Utah's defense. Uh, I think Oregon's probably the most balanced offense in the league. Uh, I think they're number one in the country in terms of yards per rush. It's almost, I think it's like almost seven yards per carry. Um, you know, Washington and USC have good offenses, but they rely so heavily on the pass. I think I think we saw on Saturday night, USC had some success on the ground and they kind of got away from it in the last three quarters of the game and their offense stalled out. I don't think we're going to see that with Oregon. I think they're more committed to the run game. So I'm curious to see that matchup between the offense and the defense um, of Oregon and and Utah. And uh, I'm curious to see what Utah's offense looks like against that defense. Yoni Rockies obviously added a different element to that offense. So, um, I don't know if we could look at Utah's offense the same now as we were a couple of weeks ago when it was really struggling um, and, it, and it wasn't getting much going because um, Vaki's just a tremendous player, and we saw that on Saturday, what he was doing in the past game and, and on the ground. Uh, so Utah's a tough place to play, and um, Oregon's going to find that out this weekend. I'm sure the atmosphere will be great there. I'm really curious to see how that one goes. I know Oregon's, I think they were a six-point favorite. Um, their offense probably gives them the edge just because um, can Bryson Barnes do it again um, on another big stage? But uh, 
I'm re- I'm really curious to see how that one uh, turns out. Do you feel like Washington is because they beat Oregon definitively the best team in the league right now, even with the struggles against ASU last weekend? Because I kind of feel like Oregon isn't far behind them. And and I say if that yeah. play game was maybe played in Eugene or on a neutral field, or if Dan Lanning takes does puts the analytics book away for a minute, maybe that game turns out different. But I I, I feel like you got to give Washington the credit because they don't have to explain away a loss. Yeah. But I don't know that there's a lot of difference between those two teams right now. Do you? Uh, I I agree with you 100. percent I think Oregon's the more complete team. I just think they lost to Washington on that day, and there's a couple plays here and there that could have altered the outcome of that game or a couple of decisions. Um, I don't think Washington's clearly like the best team far and away in, in the league. I know people will say like, well, they had uh, people will be like, well, that's a performance you can write off against ASU, like after Oregon and uh, emotional win. But if you if you think back to the Arizona game, that was kind of sluggish too. So that's two out of the past three games haven't been all that impressive from Washington. Um, so I think they have issues. And they have that tough stretch coming up. They play Stanford, but then after that, they have a tough three-game stretch at USC, um, home versus Utah, then at Oregon State. Um, so I think we're going to learn a lot more about them and kind of where they do stand and how realistic their playoff hopes are over that span. I've kind of said, Antonio, since about January, I anticipated the league being good, maybe not as good as it is because I didn't see the Colorado thing coming, but I thought Arizona would be better. So I thought there'd be four or five really good teams and then another two or three good teams. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now with maybe a team more in there. But I've also maintained, as much as I'd hate, I hate to say it, in a four-team playoff, I just don't see a Pac-12 team walking out of Las Vegas undefeated or with one loss. Where do you fall on Pac-12 playoff hopes this year based on what you've seen so far? Yeah, I've, I've had the same thoughts just because, there's, like we like we said with Washington, there's just nobody that's far and away that much better than the rest of the competition in the league. Uh, there's some teams that are maybe a tier above, but not where it's so so dominant that they're going to go through with just one loss. It's extremely tough to get to this league with one loss. We saw it with Arizona State. Arizona State's winless in the league, and they gave Washington all it could handle, and they've been close. Arizona State's been close. I've been giving people a tough time over the past month, and they've been banged up on offense, uh, but their defense has been good. Washington State gave Oregon a game for a half uh, on Saturday. Um, UCLA has a great defense that on the right day can give anyone trouble. We've seen Arizona give USC and Washington trouble. Um, so there's all these matchups that are just tough for a lot of teams, and nine-game conference schedule, you're opening yourself up to one more loss. Um, for a lot of teams and uh, just makes it a tough road for everyone who kind of goes through it. And, and I mean, we've seen it with, with Utah in 2019, uh, that yeah. USC team wasn't, wasn't that great. Um, I think they were eight and four. Uh, they still had enough talent to, to upset Utah and kind of prevent them from uh, being in the mix of, of the playoffs. So uh, we see it every, every few years where a uh, team's in position and then uh, somebody comes and strikes them down. How do you think the L.A. schools are going to fare in the Big Ten start next year? That's really – I think people are really anxious about USC uh, right now with, with uh, the potential of no Caleb Williams, and we've seen how the lines have played the past few weeks. I think the offensive line played a little better uh, against Utah. They weren't completely dominated like they were against Notre Dame. Uh, but we saw the push that Utah got 
with its offensive line against uh, USC's defensive line and what they were doing um, along the line of scrimmage and just opening holes and creating rushing lanes. Um, I, th- I think there's worry is like, is that going to be a constant thing in, in the Big Ten? Um, so I think USC's got a lot got a lot to do in terms of building the roster along the line of scrimmage to be ready and prepared for uh, the Big Ten. I honestly think UCLA is built a little better uh, for Big Ten play just because they Chip Kelly has kind of implemented a physical style of play over there. You guys saw that UCLA-Utah game. That was a dogfight. That was a physical game. Um, I, I think they built their roster better for the Big Ten right now. Obviously, transfer portal stuff is going to happen across the offseason over these next few months. So, uh, so things can change, obviously, but I just like the way that UCLA has built their roster and the way they've improved on defense. Uh, Dante Moore, I know he got benched this past week, but he's had to take a step forward um, over this over the rest of this season and this offseason going into next year. Um, but I just like the way they built their roster. Is it going to be an upper echelon Big Ten team? No, but um, it should be respectable over there. It, it's so funny you say that because I thought, you know, for about the last year and a half, I'm like, UCLA, you know, they've always had that soft mentality. But starting last year when Utah went down there and got pushed around and then watching them again this year, I think you're absolutely right. I think, and this is crazy to say, from an overall roster standpoint, and again, the portal is what it is, but I'm not so sure Chip Kelly might not be better positioned, at least initially going into the Big Ten, than USC is. Yeah, just because there's so much more physical football and UCLA's UCLA welcomes the physical football. I don't think they're going to shy away from it. We, even, like you said last year, you saw Zach Charbonnet and the way he ran. And uh, Carson Steele there this year. He's a tough runner too. And uh, I, I, I think recruiting is where Chip Kelly will have to kind of take another step forward. They don't really, they're not really active on the recruiting trail. I think that kind of limits the ceiling of his program. Uh, but he does good work in the transfer portal, and he gets guys that fit. And uh, he identifies and evaluates really, really well in the portal. Well, the and, other thing, um, Antonio, I think he does, and, and, and this is a little bit of a shot at SC, you know, I think Chips in the last couple of years developed guys. I think, you know, the physicality, they've developed their linemen pretty well, and I think that's one thing. SC recruits well and hits the portal, but their player development just isn't there, and that's what Utah's secret sauce has always been. They find guys and develop them. I think Chip's done a pretty good job in developing guys once they get into his program. He not he may not recruit at the same level that SC does, but mm-hmm. I think his player development's a little bit better. I, I think that's been like the push-pull when you talk to people or high school coaches in Southern California. I think they'll tell you that UCLA recruits to fit an identity better than USC does. USC has the star rankings and the talent and the stuff that looks good on paper, but like, does it really fit sometimes or does it really work or does it really develop? And I think UCLA, I think high school coaches will tell you, they probably identify for fit and you evaluate better for fit and their identity better than USC has over the past few years. Um, maybe that's changed a little bit under Lincoln Riley, but um, there's still been some high profile recruits that really haven't, uh, panned out like some people expected. So um, I think that's somewhere that USC definitely has to improve on. Last thing, get out the Morales crystal ball real fast for me here. In a month and a half, 
when everybody gathers in Las Vegas on that first Friday in December, who are the two teams playing? I think it'll be Oregon and Washington again. Um, Though I could see Washington trip up, but I just think it'll be Oregon and Washington again. I think Oregon will will win it. Um, I still think they're the most talented team in the Pac-12, and I could see them, you know, that talent. And their coaching has been good this year, too. I know people will criticize Dan Lanning for uh, those decisions he made on those fourth downs, but I think um, at the end of the day, like, their talent and their schemes uh, will win out. Well, then I guess I don't have to ask you who you think wins Saturday because I think your answer just told me that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Really like your work at The Athletic. Let's talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, Bill. I appreciate it. Take care. Antonio Morales with us here on the Bill Riley Show today on loan from The Athletic. He writes good stuff. He writes a Pac-12 notes column every week, and he covered that from the USC standpoint on Saturday night. But that 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 is the honest goodness truth. I would have... I mean, when that announcement was made two years ago, I thought, okay, SC will be fine. UCLA is going to really struggle. But over the last two years, and, and here's just to piggyback on what he just said, Chip Kelly recruits to his program and what he wants to be. And I always say this about Utah. And my, my friend Evan Moore, Pac-12 Network and other stuff, once said this, there's a real value in knowing who you are and what you want to be. And Utah has never wavered from that. I think Chip Chip Kelly's had a real vision. It's taken him a minute to get there, and maybe he's not quite there yet, but I think Chip Kelly knows who he is and what he wants to be, and people think of Chip as the gadget guy and throw it. That's really not who Chip is. Chip runs first, and he likes to be fit. His good Oregon teams were always physical at the line of scrimmage. They may be, at least initially, better, especially, too. What if Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams is gone? I don't believe any of this nonsense about him not going to the NFL. That guy's got one foot out the door already, unless he decides to transfer someplace else, which I don't think he could do. So I, he's gone, and it wouldn't. And if Lincoln Riley leaves too, well, then you're hitting the reset button, and then you're behind it a little bit at USC. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but lots. I, I think Williams is gone, and we'll see what happens with Lincoln Riley. But I do think UCLA may be a little better positioned in the short term uh, to get things done. All right. Um, Got to grab a break here. 877-353-0700 is your text message. Um, If you haven't heard, by the way, the ASU game is a noon kickoff now. They've announced that kick time. I missed it initially myself. Um, But they've announced a noontime kickoff on uh, the first Saturday in November for Utah and ASU. I think that's the fourth is the date for that. So noontime kickoff in the sun. I know you guys hate it, all these day games. I think it's fantastic. And that's going to be a Pac-12 network game, I almost guarantee it. I don't think they've – well, let me see if they've announced the network. But noon time kickoff and ASU not being very good is most likely a a, uh, Pac-12 network game. But I love those early kickoffs. I love 1.30 this week. I love noon for that game. And uh, it will just kind of go from there. I think the Washington-Utah game – Although it could be an it could be a an afternoon prime Fox or ABC window game, that one might end up being a night game up there in Seattle, which should be fun too. Um, if you haven't been before, try to make that trip. It's a great spot, and I don't know how often Utah and Washington are going to play moving forward either. So we'll see. All right, grabbing a break. Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV five, joining us coming up in a bit. Monday night football tonight at six after the drive with Spence. 
tomorrow night, Kyle Whittingham coaches show, and maybe game seven of the NLDCS if they need it. They'll play baseball in uh, both Philadelphia and Houston coming up a little bit later on tonight. More Bill Riley Show next, ESPN 700. Bill Riley's got you covered on all things sports. This is the Bill Riley Show from the Valley Collision Studio. Let's get back to Bill on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, Bill Riley Show on a Monday. Heading down the home stretch. Spencer the Drive, come your way, top of the hour. Monday night football tonight. Big week here in town. Ooh, big doings. I believe high school football playoffs going this weekend, which is big. Well, yeah, there's something called game day coming to town as well. That's pretty big, too. And the NBA season opens up with the Jazz Wednesday night at the Delta Center. There to cover it all for Sports Beat and KSL TV 5 is our friend Sam Farnsworth. Sam, you rested and ready to go for the week? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting rested. You know, I, I hope uh, today and tomorrow get me rejuvenated enough to really get going by Wednesday to tip things off at the Delta Center and then just plow right through the high school football and college football weekend. I mean, you just listed it off. This is going to be a pretty awesome week of sports here in Utah. It is phenomenal, beginning with the Jazz coming up on Wednesday night. Expectations for the Jazz this year for you are what? Um, similar to last year. Well, okay, I, I guess maybe I should I should rephrase that because at this time last year, my expectations were lower than they are now, but my expectations for the team this year – would be to finish similarly to last year. I still don't think they're quite a playoff team yet. I don't know that they want to be. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. They surprised us last year with how they started off the season instead of kind of joining that tankathon right away. But um, I, I, you know, I think a 35-ish win team is is probably about the the realistic uh, bar to set. And I'm sure, they could do better than that, but. A part of me feels like there's going to be some moving and shaking along the way throughout the season to maybe, you know, make a few deals with some of the guys they have, especially in the backcourt. You got a loaded backcourt. You got to create some some space and playing time for some of these younger guys. Um, and the one way to do that sooner than later is to try to make some deals. So, you know, I think I think a 35, 37 win season is probably about what we're looking at. Yeah, I, I think 35 to 40 is somewhere where I think. I think this year, unlike last year, I don't know about a hot start. Last year you had a lot of veterans on the team. This year not quite as many veterans. I think you've got some good players. I think Lowry Markin is fantastic. I think Walker Kessler's got a chance to make a jump this year. But I'm curious, where's John Collins at? You know, is he a good player? Sure. But they didn't pay him the kind of money they're paying him in the trade for him just to be a good player. I think they want him to be mm-hmm. back where he was early in his career. What are they doing in the backcourt? You know, your top draft pick is not even going to play much of a role for you, Taylor Hendricks, I don't think. And your second draft pick, you like him a lot, but, boy, has he been erratic from since summer league. All preseason, he'd have a good night, not a great night. So I, I'm not so sure where this team is. And so I'll say somewhere between 35 and 40 wins on the very fringe of being maybe a play-in team. I know others have a higher expectation for them, but I just, I've got to see it. So I'm going to be willing to change my opinion, but I I think they'll be in that, I'm with you, I think they'll be in that same range as they were a year ago. I just think to get there, it's going to look a little different than it did a year ago. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, this is all still part of the whole rebuild, redeveloping process that that this team is going through. And I know Jazz fans at times, you know, we – 
Jazz fans were spoiled for such a long time. You know, you went to the playoffs for 20 straight years, and then, and then you know, I know it was off and on after that, but you still had great playoff teams with, with Boozer and D-Will. Um, you know, you had the number one overall seed just a few years ago with, with uh, Donovan and Rudy and company. And so, you know, Jazz fans, they expect to have a great NBA team uh, in, in our state, a team that's going to be in the playoffs every year. But I think what Danny Ainge is trying to do and Will Hardy, they're trying to build better than great, and that takes time, you know. Yep. And, and, again, they exceeded expectations last year, which maybe accelerated the expectation levels of fans a bit. But, yes, I'm right there with you. I want to see – is John Collins, is it him and Lowry? Are those the, the one-two as far as your options go on offense? How is that going to work? Because uh, like you mentioned, you don't get paid a ton of money to just be a, a solid contributor. you got to be a leader and, and a star on the team too. So uh, how is that going to work? How is that backcourt rotation going to work? You know, is, is THT uh, going to be the starter? Is he going to be on the roster for long? Or is Jordan or Colin or – or done, or, you know, you, you still got to get, um, uh, you know, the, the, the rookies involved in <clears throat> as well, uh, you know, Keontae George. And uh, so it's a loaded backcourt. I, and I think, I think it's okay that the Jazz use the first multiple weeks, month, month and a half of the season to try to figure out the rotations and, and kind of which direction you want to go um, in, in those rotations and, um, and then go from there. And that's when you might have to make some decisions as far as trading goes uh, and, th- and things like that as well. But it's all, again, it's all part of it. it, it it's a patient process for fans. You just have to kind of ride with the highs when they have a great night and a fun game and just enjoy it while it's there. But understand that this is a process that's still a, a multiple year process. Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV five with us here at the Bill Riley show today. Um, how would you describe this Utah season right now after seven games? Uh, the first word that comes to mind is surprising. I'm not surprised that Utah's good, that they're six and one, but surprised at how they got to this point, right? Uh, you know, I, I still go back to Pac-12 media days when I was talking to Cam Rising and Coach Witt and asked them both, you know, you, you on track? Are you on track? And Cam Rising's answer was, yep, I'm on track for, for that, you know, Florida game. And, and obviously here we are where we're just this last week, Coach Witt, uh, you know, it, it revealed to us all that, that Rising's not going to be playing the rest of the year, that his season is indeed over. And, and then the, the, the emergence of, of uh, Sione Vaki in these last two weeks, what a rest that has been. And it, it, it's almost like he's single-handedly saving this team uh, in this season at this point. So, the fact that they're a one-loss team going into the Oregon week is kind of what I was expecting uh, at the beginning of the year, but I didn't expect they would get there the way they have. And so surprise is kind of the first word that comes to my mind. But, um, but boy, it, this, this team has every single uh, fingerprint and trademark of a coach-wit coach team. They're just gritty. They're tough. Uh, they're going to fight and overcome. And that's exactly what they've done to get to this point. What do you think about the game Saturday? I've said all year long, you and I talked about this. I think I asked you what's going to be the toughest game on the schedule. And I've said Oregon all the way through because, one, I thought Oregon was going to be good and very balanced like Utah. But, two, just where it fell on the schedule the week after USC, 
and I know how emotional the USC game is for Utah every single year. So, and the way the season's played out, it will definitely be to this point the toughest game of the year. What do you make of the game against Oregon on Saturday? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would definitely put it right there as the toughest game for sure. And I mean, maybe it's easier to say that because that's the game that's that's ahead of them. It's a top ten ranked opponent. Game day's coming to town. The spotlight's going to be on Salt Lake City. Uh, all the attention is going to be on that matchup. But um, you know, I still and, and I get ahead of myself a little bit, but I still kind of have my eyes on on that Washington game. And maybe it's more of me hoping that that game is a really, really meaningful game at that point. But um, but that's still kind of the game that I've just been eyeballing ever since the beginning of the year is that that game in Seattle. If Utah, get, especially if they get through this weekend and are able to to shock this Oregon team, I don't know if shock's the right word, but I think a lot of people just have, have a lot of Pac-12 observers have probably been shocked again at how Utah's been able to get to this point. But if they are able to to get that win against Oregon, then that, everything's lining up for that big, for that big uh, showdown in Seattle near the end of the season. And so, um, but yeah, I'm going to use the cliches. You can't get, you got to take the the one that's in front of you one week at a time. Right. And of course, Oregon is their toughest opponent to date so far in the season. BYU's five and two and two and two in big 12 play. It, they, I think they, they've maybe surprised some people. Um, I thought they'd be 6-6 six and six this year. They still have a chance now to get to six wins, maybe seven, though the schedule down the stretch is pretty tough. Has it been a good year? Has it been an unbalanced year? I don't think it's necessarily been a year that people thought, again, kind of like Utah season. It hasn't played out the way people thought, but the results have been pretty good. So, yeah, the, the results when you're talking wins and losses, I would say, yes, it's a good year so far, and it's still a good year, and and, you know, we've been beating this drum uh, on your show all season that six wins is going to be a good season. I think they're in line to get there. I think it's going to happen uh, either with Iowa State or West Virginia. Who knows? Maybe they get both of those. Um, but um, it, I, I, I would say it's not been a good year when we look at uh, some of the production on the field, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where it just really felt like and looked like this offense was going to be pretty electric. Uh, I, I still was, you know, I'm, I wasn't the biggest Keaton Slovis believer when he came in, but I thought, you know, Aaron Roderick, the quarterback whisperer might be able to uh, breathe some new life into Slovis and see what he can do. I feel like he's underachieved and underperformed this season. The run game obviously has not been up to par, although this last week they had a a great performance uh, with 150 yards on the ground, but, but that's been, by far the exception to this season, the offensive line who, when you look at it on paper, you're looking at, you know, three to five guys that you would think might be in the NFL someday and they have clearly underperformed. And so it's just, uh, and, and, you know, from a point production standpoint, I mean, even this last week when they only have three points in the second half, I just kind of look at it. Okay. Yeah. They're five and two. That's good. But this offense is anemic. And it has got to change. It has got to get better. And even, even if you're looking a year ahead, you know things have got to. The momentum has start to has got to start rolling with some of these younger players. That when you're moving into even next season, year two of the Big Twelve, you feel confident that this offense can take a step forward. And right now, it just kind of feels like they're slowly sliding backwards. And so this BYU team, they need to show me something in this in this final stretch of the season offensively that they are making that progress forwards, even if it comes in losses along the way 
All right. I just laid out what's coming up this week. How are you guys covering it this week? Oh man. Uh we will have we will have our cameras in uh Austin for the BYU Texas game, but we will be here for game day with Oregon and Utah. We will be here for our high school second round of the high school football playoffs, which shoot this last weekend was awesome. <laughs> A lot of fun. I can't wait for week two though. Um we'll be the Jazz will have Three games between now, <clears throat> excuse me, between now and Sunday, they'll have three games already under their belt. So it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's one of those busy times of year, but this is my by far my most favorite time of the year, October into November with the baseball playoffs. I know we don't have a team here, but with the baseball playoffs going on, hockey starting, NBA starting, college football in the thick of it, NFL in the thick of it. My goodness, this is this is what I live for. <laughs> It will be so much fun, and this is a week where we all wish we could be cloned so we could do a million different things. (laughs) But uh, you be well. Enjoy your day off, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bill. You too. Thank you, Sam. Sam Farnsworth with us here on the Bill Riley Show today. Show being brought to you by Les Olson and Les Olson IT. Remanufactured copiers, sure, they've got those. Network support, you betcha they've got those. A full warehouse of all the equipment you need for your office, yep, that too. And live IT support. They've given you those great printers and copiers and scanners for years, and they still do that, taking care of your office. But now they can take care of your entire business and your IT needs as well at Les Olson IT with that same great customer service they've always given you. They've got an IT secure network operations center. They've got all the in-house parts you need. They've got a full-service live support service team. They can come out and cable your entire office or business, whatever you need, On the IT side of it, Les Olson IT will take great care of you. Get a little more information. Go to lesolson.com. That's lesolson.com. Or stop in and see them at about 33rd South and 3rd West here in Salt Lake City. When you do, tell Scott Olson I sent you in. It's Les Olson Company and Les Olson IT. For all of your network needs in your big or small business, they've got you taken care of at Les Olson Company. Also... Our friends at My Buddy the Plumber, they take care of you. Not not really network needs. They're not really IT guys at My Buddy the Plumber. They're more hands-on fixing things that are going wrong at your house or your business. So they help you on that side of things. Although, I don't know, maybe Brandon Duncan and his guys will add an IT, an IT department too. Do you want to dip into the IT world, Brandon? You know, we're going to leave that up to Les Olson to <laughs> handle that. So You know, I, I always say, you know, you stay in your lane. Well, your lane has been pretty successful for you. That's the plumbing, HVAC, and electrical lane, right? That's it. You know, that's what we do. We do home service. You know, if it's anything to do with plumbing, electrical, or heating and air, we're going to give you five-star service. We're going to send a technician out that knows what they're doing, you know, that isn't isn't their first day on the job. Um, like I said, we pride ourselves in having the best in the industry. So that's what you can come to expect when you call my buddy, the plumber. Uh you guys take care of lots of things, whether it's a home or a business. You do commercial, you do residential stuff, and you're on call 24-7, right? It's not just a, hey, 9-to-5 thing, because the business you're in isn't really a 9-to-5 business, is it? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's not, and it's been like that since day one, but that's okay. That's what we signed up for, you know, and that's kind of what makes it fun, and that's how we get a lot of those five-star reviews is when we go out at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning or on a holiday, and people really need the service, and you know, I like to say that's when we shine the most. You know, like I said, we, I tell my guys, you know, it's time to put on that, you know, hero cape and, and show people, you know, what five-star service looks like.
So if they want that five-star service on any of those places, not the IT, but the plumbing, the electrical, and the HVAC, what's the best way to do it? Give us a call. The phone number is 801-381-4471, or they can come visit us online at mybuddytheplumber.com. That's mybuddytheplumber.com. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks, Bill. Brandon Duncan with us here today on the Bill Riley Show. Back to wrap it up next here on ESPN 700.